Hey everybody, I just want to give a quick introduction to this episode before it begins. Uh, this is an interview with Robert Christopher, and we kind of jumped in like right away after I said, hey, introduce yourself, and then we just started talking. Uh, we do an, kind of a talk about uh, Devil's Candy. I hadn't seen it before, uh, and it's a very interesting film that has a very good use of music. And who better to talk about that film with uh, than somebody that's a musician himself? So, um, I'm going to do this right up front. It's also at the end of the episode, um, but you can find him. He's available on Twitter. Uh, it's Rob Christopher, at Rob Christopher. Also, Rob Christopher Music One uh, on YouTube, as well as robertchristopher.bandcamp.com. Uh, and if I made a mistake with that, I am very sorry. But it's a very fun conversation. I did cut some out of it. Um, I just felt that it was you know, running a little long, but it's already a pretty long uh, chat. So without further ado, uh, here's your bonus episode for December. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you have your third guest of all time? Why you get another episode of the Terrible Interview Series. Hey everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. And on this bonus episode, uh, we have a guest. Do you want to say hi? Hello. Ah, uh, Robert. How are you doing yes. today? Doing great. Uh, I'm one... doing fantastic. Oh. I'm I'm so excited to reach the Spreaker people, which sounds <laughs> which could be its own movie. Sounds like its own independent horror movie. The Spreaker people, double feature with Children of the Damned. Oh, it could be not like a Children of a Corn type thing going on here. Children we don't need a Malachi randomly. No, uh, no. Up. All, right. All right, you want to have Children of the Corn and the Spreaker people? <laughs> the only, the only come out at night. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a Smashing Pumpkin song at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it'd be great uh, if I could have Billy Corgan do a soundtrack for me one of these times. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He's going by William Corgan now. Uh, he is? Yeah, he is. I saw an ad, uh, funny enough, coming through Facebook, uh, and he's playing uh, over here, I think, uh, next week, uh, where he's doing two nights as William Corgan. Oh, boy. Yeah, exactly. That, oh, that guy, between maybe he got too much into his wrestling and it's gone to his head. Oh my God! Let's not. Oh God! <laughs> Let's not go into there. Oh no! Well, I totally forgot he bought TN. Bought in. He thought he bought. Did he think he bought it to TNA? I, what is? He, you know, I don't know exactly. He thought he bought into it, but he really didn't. And then he had his own little thing in Chicago. I think. I think he's and, had his thing in Chicago for quite some time. And yeah, then but in a, he went a to small like level writing yeah. process for TNA or yeah. some shit like that. And then he bought in, and then but they really didn't have anything to buy. He thought he bought it, but then he wound up was stuck with all like five million in debt or something like that. Something ridiculous. I guess that's why something he's got to do these uh, solo tours uh, to, to make uh, up for uh, the money he blew on TNA. I, I will. Can you smell a original Smashing Pumpkins uh, uh, reunion coming now to make up money? Oh yeah, because well, that's. 
But that's the only reason why uh, um, Guns N' Roses got back together, because guess what? I think Axel needed cash, and uh, and Slash got divorced, so guess what? Yep. Hey, guess guess what? The, never, not in this lifetime? Well, maybe in this lifetime now. <laughs> <laughs> in this lifetime that I need money to survive. Uh, because, yeah. you know... I don't want to lose my mansion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, nowadays, down in L.A., you know, $5 million is not going to last you very long. No. No, and I, if they if he wants to maintain that high lifestyle, uh, and he owned a lot of properties, I don't know, I don't know if his wife cleaned them out or what, but uh, you never would have thought in this lifetime you would have been like, uh, if you ever did, you read Slash's book? Um, I don't think I did. No. Okay, I I read it. I don't remember it that well, but I remember one part was really indicative of what gun, getting out of Guns and Roses was. They spent I don't know how many years with lawyers and courtrooms and all of that stuff, uh, uh, fighting over percentages of how much they wrote the song. Like, and, and, uh, Slash's lawyer was like fighting for like 15.9%. And Axel was saying, no, he's only worth 15.4%. Oh Jesus. And, and this is like for years. And then they finally like, all right, he's worth 15.7. They come to the middle. And I was like, really is, I mean, can you, I, it's like when everybody said, uh, you know, why does it Guns N' Roses get together? And that's like, man, if you ever read his book, you would know why. Because to untangle all of those chords, it's like a million, take a million wires and chords and try to untangle it. And then when you finally get untangled, it's like, whoo, I got I'm done with that. You know? Like, yeah. That's that's how bad it was. It was down to the percent. They fight over two point two percent of a song. I was like, wow ridiculous but whatever it, it i guess now that they need money in this lifetime it is yeah i guess so i mean that's <laughs> that's also the reason why people come back to movies right like oh hey i, yeah. I said i'd never do this franchise every ever again oh hey guess what mm-hmm. i'm gonna show up over here in this uh or i'm gonna do this you know this conve- i'll never do conventions never never in a million years all of a sudden here's robert england at the next convention because robert england yep. needs money uh. <laughs> yeah, you, you just brought up the perfect thing, you, and it just popped into my head when you said movie. John Carpenter, uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Do we need another Halloween? I don't know, and do we need it to really rewrite uh, everything from Halloween two on forward? You know, I, I to me, I don't know. I kind of what was the one? It, was it H two O, where she chops off his head? I kind of felt like okay, it's over. You killed him. That's, yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, what, I, I understand there's always going to be a remake, and they're going to make this movie, and they're going to not have. Uh, and I kind of thought that Danielle Harris kind of reinvigorated the franchise because I remember three, which is could be, we could talk about that one on its own uh, premise, which is oh, yeah. which, which was which was a good one. They had the right idea. They just were like I probably too too ahead of their time. Well, and they- it was. I'd say what they did wrong with that was the fact that they they made Halloween 2 as they made Halloween 2. You know, of course, it's a continuation right. of the story, and right. it's the it's supposed to be part two. You know, it's kind of like Friday the 13th right. and then Friday and the 13th continued, part two. Where right. But it continues from it. the same night. Exactly. You know, so so it, that's what – it was a natural – it was a natural it, sequel, it, like it a Rocky. Was, it was, but people got so ingrained in the whole Michael Myers thing that they thought when the third one – if they had gone – with say a, a second one that was part of like the analogy thing and then came back later if it moved on forward three would have worked really well i mean three is well, just kind of an okay movie but right yeah it, it wasn't that's what i'm saying like people will say like oh it sucked and it didn't suck 
but it's not great either. It yeah. was it, – it, know what it felt like to me? Kind of almost a little bit of a precursor to uh, John Carpenter's They Live. It, it, I felt like he wanted to do something that was not Halloween, but he was stuck with this – you know, like the – the, the uh, uh, not the label. We're talking about so much about music. I got stuck with label. <laughs> the movie company. I can't think of the name. It'll come to me. What are they? What is the studio? That's the studio. It. Ah. Yes. Yeah. God, man. We talked about music for four hours, and now it's like I'm, uh, I'm losing my words. Yeah. The studio probably said, "Hey, listen. This this made move. This made money. This made money. Make another Halloween." But his concept wasn't bad because they do it now. They make. I mean, look how many Saw movies there are that they. Yeah sell in october he just figured we can make an, a halloween the, he thought the halloween he could separate the halloween franchise from michael myers and he couldn't no. but the, the the anthology part of it is a good is a good idea we can have a halloween movie for october that's always different yeah and it's it's it a, was great a great idea and great it, idea but it just didn't follow through and, and, no. and agreed the movie was I mean, I just recently watched it because I was like, man, I haven't watched this in so long. Is it uh, – do I have like 80s nostalgia memory or do I have – you know, let me watch this again. And I watched it because it happened to be on Halloween uh, or during October, uh, all the on-demand um, – uh, on my cable system on-demand was a lot of horror movies. So uh, I turned it on. I watched it and I said, uh, this is not a good – this is really not scary. And it's and it's a little bit unbelievable at the end of the movie when a guy's on the phone calling networks to tell them to stop playing this commercial. I was like, in what world is a stranger going to call up the networks and tell them that, you know, hey, don't play this commercial. I was like, yeah, yeah. Network television is going to listen to some stranger in a, in a gas station. What? And, oh, and, stop making revenue. What? Yeah, what am yeah, I going to exactly. do? Yeah, the, this big corporation paid this commercial to, to have all of these kids watch. You want us to not have eyeballs to our television? Uh, it was so ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I watched it and I go, "Wow, this is like uh, this was uh, not as I understand now. I could you know separate the whole Michael Myers, but the, on it on its face, it still wasn't that really good of a movie because no. it sounded it felt like uh, it like some parts of the script. I go. Uh, he's stuck here and he doesn't know what to say or he, and he just wanted to, he it felt like he just wanted to get through it i don't know i don't know if you know the story better or to me i watched it and i went wow this was like first of all i don't know how the doctor became a private investigator or a police officer or you know it, it's one of those films that uh, like yourself I, I haven't seen in a really long time yeah. um and and personally i've never been the biggest halloween franchise like fan like I've I've seen the movies. Uh, a really good friend of mine, he's a huge huge fan, and he could break everything down to to very minute pieces. But personally, it, it's not been something that I've like focused on directly. So well, my knowledge see, is probably as good as yours. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I would say for me, it was uh, watching it as a little kid. Uh, a very um, you know the music. The soundtrack mm -hmm. is classic. Uh, I mean, his other movies, The Fog, also not that great of a film. He admits it himself. He goes, we didn't have enough scares. He goes, this was probably a good short story, but not really a good movie. But, it, well, and then and that's why I try to give context when I was when, uh, discussing what we would discuss before, that, um, you know, there was no YouTube. You didn't have iPhones. You didn't have internet. You didn't have other stuff. So when you went to see these movies and you got to see, you know, the California coastline, it was, 
that was like a, a unique setting that yeah. was like CGI today. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, you know, you didn't get to see that. So it was it was unique. But there was no he admits himself. And I forget what documentary that it, they didn't have enough scares. They it was a the they they test marketed it with the studio. It didn't even he admitted he goes, this is this is shit. This is not good. This <laughs> is uh, his score was amazing. His well, music yeah. was was fantastic. But there was no there was no really uh, I mean, except for the end. Was it really scary? You know, no. it was sort of like. Uh, did you ever see the movie Burnt Offerings? No, that's not something I've seen. Oh wow, you got to see that movie. That's the same kind of thing. It's a it's a very slow burn, and then like, you know, three minutes or four minutes of, holy, you know, cow, what the hell's going on? And then the movie's over. But if you watch the movie, you're like, this is boring. You know, I guess it. In, you have to watch it in context. You know, if you watch it as a little kid in the 70s or a little kid in the 80s, it's different, yeah. you know. But if you watch it now, you're going to be like, Ugh, no, that was that was because I I remember seeing I remember falling asleep and waking up on the sofa and the ending of this movie was on and I never got to see the name. I was like, as, as, I would ask people, do you know this movie where this lady with um, Karen Black? She turns into an old lady and she throws the guy out the window. Oh, I don't mean. Well, I'm gonna spoil it for you. <laughs> <laughs> he throws him. She throws him out the window. I think he just he just goes flying out the window and he lands on the thing and uh, and, no, and nobody could tell me. And then finally, when the internet came around, somebody had a horror website and I was like, uh, "Can you tell me? It's I think it's Karen Black and this and that." And they're like, "Burnt offerings." I was like, "Oh snap!" Because I never. It was never. I never saw it again. It wasn't like a. You know, the Freddies and the Jasons were coming in and uh, I don't remember. I don't even remember when that movie was made, but it looked it looked very like 79, like 78, somewhere or maybe 70s. somewhere. Yeah, somewhere around that that uh, that time frame. And I never got to watch it from the beginning to the end. And when I watched it from the beginning to the end, I was like, you know what? I I should have just saved on saved my memory, you know, uh, of, uh, of that old style. Uh, That's uh, like. Uh, there's this old movie i can't remember what it is but i remember that as a kid it used to really freak me out and then i saw it sometime later when i was more of an adult uh but it had to deal with like these aliens coming in and kidnapping his parents and he had to go in and and rescue them but there was something as a kid with the aliens and the way that they did the thing that it used to just freak me the hell out and i couldn't watch it. it was kind of like watching you know, Ghostbusters for me back in the day, the scene in the library right in the beginning where right, they're right, hunting down yeah. the, the lady and seeing it for the first time with my young little eyes, I remember even up until I was a teenager, I could not watch that fucking scene in that movie because right, it yeah. used to just scare the crap out of me. Now I look at it, I'm like, man, this looks really cheesy and right. how did I get so goddamn scared of <laughs> that thing? Even, even funnier, I remember as a little kid when they would promo Friday the 13th, the commercial would scare me. Mm. I'd be like, I'd be scared. I'd be like, oh man, you know, just like, you know, because in your mind, you, you're, it's it's both ways. It's you're you're innocent, but there's a lot of things that go over your head. Like if I were to watch, uh, I remember like my parents uh, didn't want me to watch um, Deliverance mm. when they when the the um, uh, the scene where they're gonna they're playing Russian roulette for some yes. reason. I don't know my. My dad said, go inside, get, you know, you're not watching this. And, uh, you know, I, I, I could have watched that. It probably would have went over my head. I probably would have not, I would have been like, okay, this is just TV. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like the way kids watch cartoons, you know, their brain is just, okay, that's just, you know, it doesn't, it, I am not, I'm not getting 
the full like I don't understand the Vietnam War. I'm just uh, I'm just a kid. Uh, you're watching you know Bugs Bunny and you're watching uh, Road Runner and and uh, Wiley Coyote. You know he's running off the thing and then he looks down and he just waves and he falls off the cliff. Yeah, you know yeah, that's how cartoons are. So maybe you know even though you you. It, your uh, your innocence and your naive naivete, you would be scared. But then I bet you, if you saw something like uh, Faces of Death or something, I bet some of that would go w- way over your head. Like you would you wouldn't have the concept to think of that, you know, because you don't know the world that way. Yeah. Your brain is it's so limited. It's like you you probably you just learn how to pee in the toilet and put your sneakers <laughs> on and go. You know what I'm saying? You go to school and that's all. That's your world. It's like. You know, maybe uh, maybe your uh, school is a you know you get on the school bus and maybe you go a little bit further. But maybe if, if your school is close, your world is a small place when you're a little kid. It's a few blocks. It's around the corner. It's uh, you know your friend's house or uh, you know what I'm saying. You it's don't. The, you're not, I say it's the subtleties and nuances of of the performance or of the the story that you don't quite understand. Because like yeah, when you look at animated movies today, for example, there's a lot of stuff that's in there that specifically for the parents that have to go with the kids yes. to watch the damn yes. movie, right? You, yes. I'm not saying something like the Emoji Movie is going to have your most uh, in-depth uh, jokes for adults, but there there probably is still something in there that they're not going to understand. They're thinking think it's funny because of the context or the how colorful it is or right. the stupid Pratt joke that they're right. going to use, but yes. everything behind it is funnier to you because you've experienced those things in the world and you know exactly what you're looking for. And when it comes to like, I can say definitely like my cousins in horror are, they're much different than I was. I, Cause I got into the game like late in, in terms of it, but they have been watching oh. those types of movies like all, all the while ever since they were little kids. Cause my, my uncle yep. and aunt were, they were big. So I remember yep. sitting down at, uh, I want to say it was like eight or nine and we're watching aliens. And I remember my two cousins being so damn engrossed in it and loving it and laughing and doing stuff. I was scared shitless the entire time. I had, <laughs> yeah. My parents were, weren't the type to like do it, like, do, like right. show that to me. And because yeah. they were like, well, it's, you're not ready for it yet. You're going to be right. ready for it in a couple of years. But, you know, after kind of after that experience of being scared slowly, but surely everything kinds of changes for you as you understand yep. everything going on. Yes. But yes. My- then, it beca- then, then you become then you become your parents and then you go, oh, my God, I can't let my kids watch this. But meanwhile, <laughs> you watched it. You know, it's like, oh, come on. You can't be you oh, can't I, be I, like that. I think I definitely be more in the camp of, OK, well, you know what? As long as I can explain to them that this shit ain't real. Like the right, real life yeah. is scarier than anything that you're going to see in this movie. So. You know, well, it's it's a different world. Like I go by my my nieces and uh, my nieces' kids and nephews' kids now because they're still very young, and they have to tech. They have technology. They have the iPad. They have mm-hmm. an iPhone, and so for them, you know, like uh, one of them showed me the end of Jaws and the sharks eating them, and he's like, you know, he's looked. He looked at it. He's like maybe four. You know. He looked at it and he was like, nah. he he has no like. I'm saying it's like sometimes they're so young that you think, oh my god, how could you possibly do that to a child? And it's like, no, they had he had, he, he looked at it, he watched it, he, and then he went right downstairs, got on his uh, little bike, and started riding. He, it's like it didn't mean anything to him. So that's that's what I'm trying <laughs> like, to say. I don't sometimes, give a shit. yeah, he's like, I don't care. That's big deal. The shark's eating the guy. You know, he's eating Quinn. He's probably but looking at me, oh look how fake that looks. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The, no, the girls. The girls look at the Incredible Hulk, uh, the Lou Ferrigno Incredible Hulk, and they're like, he, "That's fake." 
That's no, I said no. That that's a real guy with real muscles. That's a dude. You, you that's don't a understand. real dude. Yeah. No, but for me, if you want to talk about the origins, origin story of horror, I was sick. I had to probably be four or five. I don't know exactly, but the family is sleeping. And you know when you're sick and you got to go pee or whatever, you're coughing and you're mm-hmm. not feeling well. And you're I'm very little, very little. I, I could have been even younger. I don't even remember. What I re- do vividly remember was um, the TV was off in the in the small living room. But my mom had a small little black and white when she would do the dishes or whatever. This is in the 70s. Okay. And – uh, in this in New York, we had this thing called Fright Night. On Friday nights, they would play. There would be wrestling, and then a, and then horror movies. Um, so I'm sick. It's probably three o'clock in the morning. I knew enough to go get my apple juice, you know. And I'm sitting in the kitchen, and she had left the TV on that was on top of the refrigerator that was next to the uh, sink where she could do the dishes, and that was like like that was the uh, you know, that was as far as technology went for the day. I'm aging myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I sat there and I watched this movie and I didn't know for the longest time that it was uh, – I didn't even know that there was George Romero films. I was – obviously because I'm so little. Of course. Uh, uh, there was the, the – I eventually found out the name of the movie was Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, which is not <laughs> – is not a very great movie. But but I would say the zombie zombie-wise, it – the, the makeup was was better than Romero. I gotta admit. I mean, the acting was stupid. the The lead guy was really, really bad. But the 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 uh, what's his name again? Oh, what was the zombie that they took out of the grave? Oh, oh man, yeah, it's that... funny because like you bring that up because that was a movie I hadn't seen till geez, very recently, like within the last like seven months. Well, because a a previous guest of the show, uh, Phantom Dark Dave, uh, he, we had done something else that never got published, but uh, I'd asked him to watch that film. And he actually really loves that film. It's, I'm I'm a little bit flabbergasted. I understand why he does uh, from the angle. I, I think like you, like you said, the first half of that movie, it, it's, weird and it's not it's, it's not, it, i'm not saying it's a good movie i'm just saying no. as a little kid i'm seeing them it's got that spooky like yeah. it's it, got a good spooky vibe it's got good spooky cinematography for the time with this with the fog and everything yep. the makeup is it's in color yep so it's a little bit better it's, than it's romero very, zombies it's got a very good zombie section to it like that whole yes once that starts the movie itself gets better, uh, a, but everything leading slightly, up to there, it, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's not bad. it's not quite there. But I can understand, like coming from the age but, that you're watching it at. Right now, I'm watching this. I'm sitting at the kitchen table with my with my little apple juice, and the zombie that was dead that they were fooling around with, you know, because that's what they say. They, <laughs> like humans shouldn't mess with death, and the lighting. Of when he comes back to life, the way he gets up, it's almost like that um, that scene in the what was the Stephen King movie with a uh, is it Pet Cemetery where she has to she tells the story of her sister and the way she swirls up out of the bed. Oh Did God! Did you see Pet Cemetery? I haven't seen Pet Cemetery in years. Oh okay. There's a scene where the the wife is saying, uh, talking about her sister, 
who had who had this illness, and it wound up is they could never they couldn't find a a, a man a, a woman to be so emaciated, but they found a guy actor and they put him in this makeup. And with, you know, like a wig and everything and this, uh, you know, you could see the spine and the bones and she had to feed her and the way she spun up in the bed was very wicked. Uh, It was similar to that, except that he didn't spin up. He just sat up and I was like, holy cow, you know, like, whoa, he's got and it, it, it isn't amazing. There's no gore. He doesn't bite him, but it's spooky as fuck. And that's that was that's what that's my first horror uh, experience was that, and I didn't know it was a horror movie. I just was like, "Whoa, what was that?" You know, and uh, and then from there, I got into it. As I as I aged, I watched movies, but I like all movies. So when people say, you know, you, you know, uh, when they if I do a podcast and they go, you know, what do you think of this movie? And I'm like, listen, I like, I'm not locked into this genre so hard that I cannot watch another movie. Mm-hmm. I like. I like documentaries. I mean, I don't watch that many comedies, but I'm not purely stuck in horror land. But I am not afraid to say, yeah, I like a lot of horror movies if they're good. And sometimes they're, you know, sometimes you got to admit that there's sometimes they're good, sometimes they're mediocre, sometimes they're great, sometimes it's The Shining, it's sometimes it's The Exorcist. But it's it's not going to be The Exorcist or The Shining every time, you know. Sometimes it's just going to be, you know, what this is a solid movie. And it depends on when you see it too, you know. If you're exactly. gonna watch it, if you're gonna watch a 1980 movie in 2017, it's gonna be different. You know, the times are different. You know, um, as I was saying, I was did this other podcast and I was trying to give some uh, some time frame to the movie, and I was like, you know, back in those days, if you had two hundred fifty thousand dollars and a, a pretty girl and a couple of decent actors, you could make a movie. So don't nitpick it to death. You know, these guys didn't make this movie in 1979 to, to, to think about some guy in 2017 tearing it apart piece by piece by piece. Well, you know? yeah. uh, I understand if you're doing it for comedic effect, but especially if you're going like really down and dirty into the little small details that nobody really gives a shit about. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, ridiculous. It, it gets a little tiring and, and it honestly a- horror has always kind of been that breeding ground though for um i want to say more original thought than other yes. genres that are out there like like comedies can go so far the comedies horror has always been a kind of like a, a com- uh, society commentary um yes using things that either you're afraid of or things that you maybe you should be afraid of whether it's something like, you know, zombies and werewolves and vampires, you know, those things, well, we don't know. They might exist. Right. I, if you prove it to me, good. <laughs> if you don't, well, I don't right. care. Uh, well, but the the backdrop, like Romero is a good example of this. Everything that he does, it's not necessarily about the zombies. It's about the humans that are involved in the situation. Right. Uh, right. And, and horror does that. Horror gives you something to get the release from the scare which may be the monster or whatever it is. Uh, But if you pay attention to a lot of really good horror, it's not necessarily about the subject matter that is what's to scare you. Yeah. It's the subtext. It's like, uh, the, the, uh, like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, it's not, it's not like the 1930s movie Frankenstein. Cause if they would have made that the book, nobody, Mm -hmm. nobody would get it because, uh, she went to a, uh, a, a fair or something and they showed how these electrodes could uh, 
shock these frogs and make them move. And she thought of this idea where people, you know, you know, dig these uh, uh, body parts, uh, uh, you know, I forget what they used to call them, resurrection men, you know, um, to get the body parts and then make this monster. And then they have this monster question itself. Why am I existing? Didn't I die? You know, shouldn't I be in heaven? Shouldn't I be in hell? You know, yeah. uh, same thing. It's Romero would do the same thing. Like, uh, first it was, um, what was the first movie really about the sub? Was it? It was some race, part partially racism, yeah. and partially the the cold. Was it Cold War? Was it nuclear war? Nuclear war. Nuclear war. Okay, so then Dawn of the Dead is like um, consumerism. Uh, consumerism, and uh, Day of the Dead. That might be nuclear. Actually, I think you're right about the first one, a little more yeah. on Cold War, and the last war, one's more about yeah, nuclear war. Nuclear war, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there was su- there was subtext to it, whereas it's not just about the zombies. There's there's something more to it, though. By the time, even like, uh, you know, now that with the the, the power of, uh, of foresight, uh, not foresight, um, <laughs> hindsight is 2020, sorry. Damn. <laughs> See, yeah, the power of talk- the force? What? Are we yeah, getting into Star Wars force. now? Yes, I know. I got my <laughs> the power of my lightsaber. Uh, uh, now that we could look back, now we could see how that, that was. But when you watch the movie, you're not thinking of subtext. It's only the good movies that give you subtext Yes, that you could watch it again. That's why it's like sometimes people will say, ah, oh, The Shining, is it's kind of slow. Yeah, but it's like I could watch it again. Or Jaws, I feel like I could watch it again. Whereas some some movies are, if you watch it once, why there's no reason to rewatch it. It's like the, whatever twist that's coming. If you know if you know that twist is coming, there's no movie. Like uh, what was the M Night Shyamalan one? Oh, uh, Six Sense. Six Sense. That's why do you watch one. it? Again? Why do you watch it again? You know you know what happens. Well, you know I, that you said. I can make a little bit of a counter argument to that because, like, for for me personally, like, I I watched it again after I I saw it, and it wasn't necessarily to, uh, because I want to see the twist again. It's to what is telegraphed in it for me. How does he telegraph the twist to you? What, right. What it, scenes you, going through is basically kind of leading you up to that point of whatever you know, proving to you spoiler alert on a super old movie that Bruce Willis is dead. Um, it, it's. What, what? How do we get to that point? And I think on on the good ones, kind of like you're, you're, you've said, uh, good movies when they do it and they either they have the telegraphing in there or the subtext that goes along even with a twist ending to prove to you it's fun to watch it again. It's fun to see sit back now. Sixth Sense maybe not be the best example of it, right? Because uh, at no, the time I, it was something that was yeah. not seen see before, you know, yeah. or not I, seen I, in a long time. Yeah, right. Yeah, he 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 pulled the the rabbit out of the hat for the whole world yes globally it was a global pull around though some people would tell me oh i knew i knew that was coming in within five minutes and i was like no you didn't come on don't be such a don't be such a uh <laughs> don't be so anal and say okay i i knew that coming and i just want you know like that sort of like that you ever see that puppet that guy that's got the old man puppet with his arms crossed uh what's his name oh you're talking about jeff dunham that guy yeah jeff dunham he's got the uh, walter Yes, I was like, "Don't be Walter, you know. Don't have, don't be like, oh, I'm so smug. I I see everything." I was like, "Then you can never enjoy anything, you know." I I think people go through that phase where they get like early versions of the script and or they go to every website and I'm like, "No, no, no, no. Trust me, it's more fun to just watch it and see how it unfolds 
than to be a smarty pants. So I understand what your your argument is. Is like I guess if you're a filmmaker or if you're an actor or if you watch that movie when you're young and then you want to watch it when you're you're more mature and you want to see how these things are telegraphed. But I'm talking like I probably watched Jaws. I, I, this is gonna this is gonna be crazy. Probably five six hundred times. I literally would come home and watch that movie almost every day from school. Like that was like my, I don't know, for a strange period of time, I watched that movie and I, I don't know why. And same thing for The Exorcist. If you want to get really deep, like this is the people that think The Shining is uh, Stanley Kubrick's admission that the moon landing was a hoax. Oh boy. And why he's got the, that's why he's got the Apollo 11 uh, sweater on. Uh, Danny and why he goes into the the room and then if you took look at the letters it spells moon room uh all of this uh and then there's other things where he's it's the context of the uh white male against the Native American Indian that's where mm-hmm. you see the cal- calumet powder and you see the Native American art and all, all of that so but that's good because guess what when you're 10 you watch it and you go wow this is a scary movie when you watch it when you're 25 30 you get to watch it a whole, the whole thing again and experience it in a different way. Like I explained once to a friend, he goes, I, I said, did you see The Exorcist? He said, yeah. I said, okay, what is that movie about? Oh, it's about a possessed girl. And I was like, well, what is it the one thing that they didn't do in that movie in the when they were trying to figure out what was going on with this girl? Did they not go – It was because you could almost call that a medical drama before it becomes a horror movie. Yeah, because they they take her to a psychiat they take her to a psychiatrist they take her to uh, she, she she goes to the priest they do that whole medical scene where they were sticking the metal and the, you know the whole hospital scene you know where they were checking her brain and and they say there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong but if I tell you one line of dialogue you you'll start to think mm, maybe there's something to it and it's what was Burke Dennings doing in her room. Yeah, I, I do. You I, know, do you get it? Yeah, I, I can understand where you're coming from on that. Okay, it, what, no, but I'm saying, what is Burke Dennings doing in her room? What is it? That's the one thing they don't know. It's, it's like almost the hidden secret that that's coming out now with all of the Weinstein and these other actors coming yeah. out now. They never went to the. She's being molested. No, they. They. It's. They. It's, it's a subtlety subtle. that they put in there. The subtlety. That's what I'm saying. It's like if you if you if you think too deep, you're gonna go over the edge. But I'm just saying <laughs> they do they they do give you the line because what is he doing in there? Because they because she tells the she tells the detective, um, she killed Burke Dennings. And then you got to think, what is Burke Dennings doing in her room late at night? Yeah, you know. And then and then also the line where she says where the doctor comes out and he's like, well, does your daughter curse a lot? And then she says, no, no, no. She says, Does she use prof- profanity? And he goes, she goes, no, no, no. And the doctor says, well, you know, when I was testing her, she said, no, get your fingers away from my cunt. So you put all of that together, you go, oh, snap. Yeah. You know, you could read a little subtext that's there that's like, wow, what is he doing in her room? And, and like Maybe you, that's what it is. Like and there's no. You, f- if you go a little too further in it, then you're going to end up making a documentary like Room 237. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna go too crazy. <laughs> yeah, I saw crazy. that. Yeah, you're gonna go really crazy with the moon hoax and all of that stuff. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, you you have the they give you the line of dialogue. They give you the 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 the, the two lines of dialogue that you can put together. Also, and then if you think about, and the Pazuzu has got an erection. Mm-hmm. I never thought about. I never thought about that when I was little. I just see the statue. You're watching on, you know, the pea soup, and the head spinning, and the. You know, let Jesus fuck you and all of this other stuff, and you're like, you're not paying attention to that stuff. But older, I was like, holy snap, look at that! The the demon has got an erection. If you look at the statue, if you remember the statue, he's got uh-huh. an erect penis. The there's no father, and what is Burke Dennings doing in her room? So it's kind of like a a little, you know, say because it was really, um, I guess, prevalent. I guess it was always prevalent. Well, it's always it's it's like everything else when you look, you know, you brought up the stuff that's going on right now in Hollywood where there are certain people that have always inserted these types of things into films or into movies or to TV jokes or whatever it is. Yeah. Where where things well, are kind even, of uh, you know, like the the Pixar movies like uh, what was it the not, not, was it the Lion King where they the the, the dust is spewed uh spewed out and it says sex yeah, there's there's those little hidden things that people there's have added to certain things, and yeah. I know that people have had all things the Disney, you know, Little Mermaid, the, the priest yeah, on yeah, the boat as yeah. the boner or whatever, and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But but it's it, there are things that they're they're trying to get you to to look at, or you know, in terms of Exorcist, it's you know, you say like molestation within the church. Okay, here's the the little subtle things. If you're right. not looking for it, you you miss. No, it. but it, but right, it, yeah, it's but there it's, in front of you. It's it's but you get when you you get two movies because you could go wow this is about possession Mm -hmm. you know and you could totally just look at it on the surface level and never think deeply but isn't it great when they try hard enough to then when you watch it when you're older and you get wow another subtext or like the shining you get you watch it once and you're like okay the blood comes out of the elevator blah 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 and but then you watch it again. It's like the kind of movie you could watch again. You know, you could watch – like I watched it when I was young. I watched it when I was 20. I watched it when I was 30. You know, I was like, wow. When each time I watch it, I go, you feel differently, you know, because you, you, you start off relating to Danny because you're like the little kid on his big wheel, right? Yep. And then you grow up and then you go, man, wow, Jack is a dick, you know, like <laughs> – <laughs> you know he's being because I remember Shelly Shelly Duvall walks in. Well, well, actually, I should say Kubrick. This is like really what he put those actors through is oh, yeah. is absurd. Is absurd. You don't need three hundred takes. And, and we could talk about that with music. I I tell people all the time. Like I said, some of your greatest records that they, they literally do it line by line, and they might sing the first line twenty times, and they'll pick it. And I was like, how would you know out of context? You know. Like if you sang, uh, let's say Crazy Train, you say crazy, but that's how it goes, okay? Uh, how would you know if that first take or that second take sounds with the second line the 15th time? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like ridiculous. But whatever, so uh, uh, Shelley Duvall was probably, <laughs> she was probably on edge as it is, which I don't I don't think, I don't think uh, actors need that much stimulation. I mean, maybe a little bit you want to give them you want to do something to keep them on edge. Let's say maybe you're doing a monster movie and uh, and you want to like maybe uh, have the actors first see it when you first film it so they can you get a more creepy reaction. Mm-hmm. I can un- understand that. But she comes in and she's like, uh, you know, you're getting anything written? And he's like, 
you know, he pulls the paper out of the typewriter and he's like, rips it up. And she says, um, you know, they say it's going to it's going to snow tonight. And then he's like, what the fuck do you want me to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and then she's like, oh, I'll bring you back some sandwiches. And then he goes into his his spiel like, listen, when I'm in here and when I'm not in here, whether you hear me typing, tick, 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 tick on the typewriter or when the, whatever the fuck you hear me doing, that means I'm working. So get the fuck out of here. And then she's just staring, giving him that look like, I was like, yeah, wow, Jack, relax. <laughs> the, the hotel was already getting into him. Yeah. I was like, she just, all she did was bring you some sandwiches so you could write. Yeah. And, and that's something that maybe you don't notice the progression. You don't notice it. Yeah. When yeah, you, you first, don't notice when you it. See it. And, and that is one of those few films where even like, I remember back in you know my college days, uh, the, the girlfriend I had at the time, she had never seen it. And wow. it surprised the hell out of me. So I was like, okay, let's show it. And the fact that she was like so scared after that movie, like to me said a lot. And it wasn't just because of, you know, I think I had seen it much younger, so maybe I didn't realize as much or things didn't affect me as much. But I think the more more subtle things in the film affected her a lot to the point that like she couldn't sleep that night, that I had to go with her to the restroom because she didn't want to go to the bathroom by herself and stay oh, inside wow. the damn thing wow. while she used it. Like it really messed with her mind. Wow. Uh, but you know what? But that's but isn't that the whole point of the movie? Of a of oh, yeah. a good movie is that even if it's not I mean, not that I would take it to the point of excessive violence. Oh yeah. But uh it I don't think there's any excessive violence in that movie. It's a lot of psychological uh, a lot of um, very pointed dialogue. Like to me, I think one of the scariest scenes in that movie is when Delbert Grady is t- is in the bathroom with Jack, and they're just talking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's to me that's what I love about good horror is he's talking. They're not screaming. They're not yelling, but you could feel that tension of Delbert Grady saying. You know your boy has a very special power. You know he's got that he's got that English accent or whatever accent he's got. And Jack is like, uh, you you're uh, who? What was the original Grady again? Not Delbert Grady. Oh, uh, I, I forget. Remember. Whatever, whatever. The first, when he goes for the interview, he tells him about the 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 whatever the the caretaker that chopped up his yeah. uh, his family. So he goes, no, you you are the. He wipes his hands of the. Uh, the soiree, the goose soiree, whatever the, mm-hmm. the the peach peach stuff that's on his hands. He wipes his hands and then he's like, "No, you are the caretaker. You chopped up your family." And he's like, and then he t- and then he goes he goes from like that guy that's telling him about this magical power to yes, you know, like my daughters did not like the hotel. And it's like to me, I don't know. I just to me that's a very powerful scene. And you don't need uh, you don't need CGI. You don't need I mean, even though there's gallons of blood coming out of the mm-hmm. elevator, but it's it's not it, in context. It's just it's just a f- messed up psychological thing. Like like, why is this hotel? Is it is it is it symbolic of purging the of this? You know, blo- you know what does it mean? You could put any any context on it. Um, but to me, that's super powerful. That's what I like. I like when people have can do that pointed dialogue. Like, wow, that that makes me feel something more than. Let's say I don't know Jason running around with an axe. Yeah, you know. And sometimes, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's some. Sometimes you want to have like a fun kind of like a light 
don't want to, I don't want to thank Kara, you know, I just want, you know, I just want to see some chop up some teenagers and away we go. But sometimes you want that really, uh, to me, you, you, it, it just happens naturally. It, it's so powerful. You don't realize it, right. that the dialogue is, could be the, could be the thing that really generates more emotion or feeling where you go holy cow because he's saying this and he's like no you you were the you were the caretaker don't bu-, like like you know he's giving me like they don't bullshit me i know who you are you're the you're the you were the caretaker before me and then mm-hmm. he's and then and then you don't know because it's that weird i don't know i don't know what there's a scene that they pulled out of the movie that explained it and it was in theaters i think for a day or two and then they pulled it out and uh Stanley Kubrick uh, cut the scene out of the movie where Ullman visits um, uh, Shelley Duvall's character in the hospital and explains that, you know, what happened, I'll take care of you, we'll send you to the West Coast. And uh, and she she's like, well, you know, did you find Jack? And he says, we didn't find Jack anywhere. You didn't, she's like, you didn't find him in the in – the, the maze? We left him in the maze. And so and then that's the scene that precedes the the slow pan up to that nineteen twenty one picture of him, uh mm-hmm. July fourth ball. So uh uh and also Danny is playing and a ball comes out of nowhere hmm. in the hospital. Yeah. So that was what what, what was playing. So in other words, saying like Maybe the ghosts got to Shelley Duvall's character as well. I think that would have been a better a better thing to make me think, oh, wow, or maybe everybody was affected by that hotel. Yeah. But they, he took that scene out, and so he made it more like, you know, that's the ending. Like I don't get it. You know, it t- it takes a while to like uh, understand that because he he you, he took something that should have been before it to give you context to go see. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't want it to be he didn't want it to be easy. I don't know why. I was like, listen, it's already a two hour and something movie. <laughs> you know, what's why take out four minutes that could help explain the ending. But maybe it was good in the end because think about how many people, you know, well, yeah, that like that room 237 documentary, exactly. it, it you know, you can go open ended so that even open take your open, own yeah, interpretation interpretations of it. Yeah. And I, I've said it before where with horror my favorites in terms of just the general are the ones that kind of it, it, it maybe it's a little more psychological but the ones that grab you and don't release you right in terms of these right. types of film like we talk about here with the shining where everything builds up to a certain point like everything keeps getting crazier and crazier even though scenes are calm scenes are are they feel the way they're filmed they're relaxed characters are interacting with each other you get the crazy, you know, typewriter scene where, you know, she sees what's written on the typewriter and he, you know, he goes after her. She grabs the bat and she smacks him. But it's you get a little <laughs> bit of a release from her being the assailant versus being the one that's being terrorized. Right. Wendy, but it doesn't last for very long. And give you, me the bat. <laughs> and you give me the going. bat, Wendy. It, but those types of films are like my favorite types of horror. Where you Me have too. so much that it's just building up and they don't release anything either at all or at just one specific point. And then you get to get, you know, you get your resolution after that. See, I, I, I agree. I, I think if you're going on a roller coaster, 
it should be a roller coaster. Like, why do you need to like have a a a, a respite? Why do you need to like, whoa, let me catch my breath? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying you should. I don't like it when I don't like the um, ADHD editing of like scene, 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 scene. You know, yeah. You know that that's not what I mean. I'm saying like if you got tension, why release it? Yeah. You know, don't release. Don't. I don't need a release. Keep me in. Keep me hooked. You know, I'm into this. I don't wanna. I don't wanna like a, you know, a five minute break where they uh, eat ice cream. I no no. no, I want. I want. You're you're building up this tension. You're building this. Now you got me going. You know, I don't wanna. I don't want to release. I don't need a happy moment. And um, I noticed that maybe it's just my generation, which is not that I'm that old, but I'm just saying that uh, this adding comedy. To it's a horror movie or it's a d- very dark thriller. You don't need uh, a, co- a comedy spot so that people can go catch their breaths. They're not really catching their breaths. To me, that's stupid. Like it's like CSI. It's a CSI is used to be the when the first six or seven seasons were awesome. I think this is a dark. It's about death. Mm-hmm. So why do you need to add comic relief to it? To me, if you want comic relief, go watch Monk. You know? <laughs> That's what I always tell people. I said, there's a reason why Monk is only getting a three rating and why CSI is getting like a 35 rating. It's because they were, they were, it was dark but as, for, as far as television could go. They pushed it as far as you could go. Mm-hmm. It's about death. So, what do you want them to do? Be, you want them, because I literally watched a show where uh, I think it was a J, well, based off a James Patterson book. And, the people are around the dead body and they're making jokes about the lady's shoes. I'm like, to me, it's like, you know, this is not the place for comic relief. I understand you want to do something different. You can't have the, uh, the, uh, the autopsy scene be, uh, uh, I don't know. To me, the autopsy scene should be meaningful. It should be, you know, uh, serious. It shouldn't be the, the place for comic relief. At least that's the way I feel. No, I mean, it, when they... it, it, I think when it comes to comedy and horror, if you set your standard in the beginning of it, um, where you, if if something is ironic, I feel like it's okay if you if you have it in there. If your your whole thing is meant to be tongue in cheek, uh, comedy and horror works great. If it's meant to be used as tension relief, uh, it's hit or miss. Uh, something could be funny unintentionally, I think, and and work for the scene for the situation. But if it feels like it's forced in there, then no. Why? Why do we even have that in there? It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the the bigger picture of of the medium. You know, I don't want to take something that is, you know, serious. Like, let's say we can go back to The Shining again. Um, yep. Where there are funny portions, but they're not really meant to be funny. It's like nervous right. funny, right? Right. It's, yeah. it's that situation where you want to laugh, but you really shouldn't be laughing. At, right. at what's going on right. and that works well, perfectly I mean. fine but right, when it's yeah. something like you have like a, a prat fall or you have some some goofy character uh that all of a sudden middle of nowhere comes out and it's like why is this guy in here and he's there basically to be killed off not necessarily in a funny way but he's there for a couple one-liners and then all of a sudden he dies uh, it doesn't work for me but if yeah, you have something either. like a, a Shaun of the dead where it's well, a, but a that's funny a film. That's a right. comedic, that's what I'm saying. It's a comedic horror film. Right. It, it's it, it meant, set itself that way. Yeah. Then, then right. everything can work out really well. But um, and your expectations, you know what you're going into. 
exactly. what I'm trying to say is like when you have, let's say, a CSI, and to me there was some amazing. I was like, why can't movies be like this? Because there was there was a time where, uh, you know, it was all um, uh, what was the what was the oh Twilight, all the vampires were glowing. You got all of this paranormal stuff. I was like, what is paranormal? What happened to horror? What happened to scary? You know, some of the movies were really like nothing happens. The door opens and it's scary, you know. Uh, to me, to me, that's bullshit, you know. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, when the after the writers strike and I mean, there was the show was was in demise. The uh, I forget the guys, the black actor, he um, he had a little bit of a self-destructive thing. So he, they were going to write him out of the show. Um, a lot of the people maybe had been burned out and uh, the writers strike threw everything off. And, and then when they came back, it seemed like they got a whole bunch of writers that felt like, oh, we got to stick comedy in because we're comedy writers. Oh, I don't know. I, to me, I, I don't know honestly what happened, but I said, why, is, why are they forcing comedy in where I totally believe these characters? Don't ruin that. You know, like when you have believable, believable characters – you don't want to ruin that just for the sake of a joke, you know? Yeah, of course. That's that's, that's what I that, that's what I mean by by forcing in. Excuse me, not even horror, but um, uh, just like a weird comment that somebody wouldn't like. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, you want the judge to be believable. You want the doctor to be believable. You want to be. You want the um, autopsy to be believable. You know, you don't want those guys to be comedians. Because that's cheesy. That's the cheesy horror thing with the auto, the um, uh, medical examiner. Not the medical examiner. What's the right word again? Uh, uh, you're talking about like uh, the autopsy person. Yeah, the autopsy person. <laughs> but that's what's what's the right. I got every other what's, word. Got, what's the right name? I'm like word, in my got, mind. I'm like, what the fuck is yeah. it? I know it's like I got mortician. It's not a mortician. It's not an auto- uh, autopsy person. It's not medical examiner. It's uh, Jesus fucking Christ. Scientists, whatever, but you know what I'm saying. Like, we both know, and I think the audience already knows. Uh, you know, they're, you know, they're probably you, yelling right now at their phones. I know, or whatever. Like saying, like, oh, it's this, you stupid it's idiot! This, you, you fucking morons! <laughs> uh, oh god, I, I'm thinking why incision? Because I've now there's so many of these shows. It's like now they go, oh my god, the movies like Saw. There was a it's one of the Saw movies where they had a bone. They cut up. Uh, I don't know if they cut open the guy Jigsaw, but I couldn't watch it because it's. Oh, for five minutes they had the bone saw in his head. It was, was the beginning oh. of uh, the fourth one, um, well, which which was me. spoiler technically the end of the third one, uh, yeah, where really? he's there and he's on the table and they're basically opening him up. They open up his head, like it's one of the more gruesome scenes that they've done what? that isn't nope. just a, a kill. I hate that. To me, that's not horror. To me, that's not scary. That's to me is like listening to a dentist drill. For five minutes, because it brings back, yuck. That's not that's not entertainment, uh, at least for me. I, I know new, people have a higher tolerance. I mean, to me, I like story, I like uh, dialogue, but a bone saw for five minutes and it's. I mean, it was up, it was ridiculously yeah. long. That, I mean, if it was like, probably, if it was like five seconds. Well, think that was one of the bigger complaints for me of that film. Like, I get the. I think that whole area of horror in general, you know, from that, from the Saw franchise to the Hostel movies to oh. where it, it's like there's there's interesting premise. Like I can get 
past, at least on the Saw stuff, I could get past some of the stuff a little bit to to an extent to where, okay, I get it. And even as the films went on, like the traps didn't seem as bad. Like I think that was kind of the pinnacle of things kind of being a little more of a gross out thing for me was right. the fourth one. Because the, after that, the traps, whatever they are, they weren't, the, the effects and everything like that weren't very good. Like in, in the films definitely went way downhill, especially the one that they did in 3D where oh, it was I, I, just I, terrible. I, I, ta- I tapped out after a while because the fir- to me, you know, if they never made another movie after the first one, the first one would be really good. Oh, it'd be gr- I don't, you know it, what, what a great I, I would ending. say you got the first what? one and you got the second one. I think the second one does a good job of being a sequel uh, yeah, but, for what it but is, for, but it's not, no, after but I'm that, just saying, it just, yeah. The, this is what I'm saying. The You don't see that guy standing up. Right, getting yeah. up. You don't see Jigsaw getting up. So you have this big ending. He gets up. These guys are fucking soaring their feet off or whatever, and he slams the thing shut and it goes black. I'm like, wow, don't fuck with this. This is great. Yeah. This is like, don't don't make a sequel. But I understand, like, because it really, literally, they the the, the budget went to like two million, the four million, and I think the ten, the fourth one was ten million. It didn't make any more money. They went back to stick it to around four or five million, yep. and they could keep. They made a lot of money. I understand. That's what you do. It's. Uh, I mean, they made four Jaws movies. They made six Rocky <laughs> movies. I mean, how many Halloweens? I mean, there was a Halloween where they had Tyra Banks and uh, so, uh, forget was that the rapper H two O. Yeah, well, they had that well, one. Then Buster Rhymes was, I think, in H two O. Oh, okay. Then, then they had I mean, that one where they had all the cameras, and uh, I, I mean, it lost, it lost all of its. I mean, it's oh, like Leprechaun. I never watched any. Of the, I think I watched one Leprechaun, uh, 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 but when they had Leprechaun in the hood, and that's oh god. That that one, the first one of those, is a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, they because be, it's it's dumb. It's really stupid. Yeah, Ice T yeah. is in it, um, but Back to the Hood is horrible like it, they, they definitely were trying to go off of a form like they they hit i wouldn't say gold but they hit an audience with the hood version of it but going back to the hood uh was so stupid um and and there's the it's the same thing like we you when I mean, you talk about how they they go around and you even take some of these like little indie type things and you change the direction of how the next film is um you take something that's really like, like, especially there was, I don't know what it is with certain horror franchises. Freddy's done it. Leprechaun's done it. Uh, to expense, I mean, Critters kind of did it, but Critters is also based in space. But they take all these franchises to space. It's like when we can't find a way to think uh, of something to do, God. we're going to yeah. take them out to space. We're going to put Jason what in space. Hell? We're going to put Leprechaun in space. We're going to put a fucking uh, Hellraiser. That franchise went to fucking space. Wow. Uh, it... It it makes to me like absolutely no sense why you want to like because there's it, I, because there's no there's nothing left. Yeah. This is how it works. Okay, this is how it works. There's nothing left but the Hellraiser or Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween or whatever has name recognition. Yeah. So even though they don't care, they'll go okay. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't even have to be a good story. Though I will say. There was a time when Blockbuster was still around. Mm-hmm. I would rent some of those movies, like the Part Fours and the Part, like the direct video ones. And I think sometimes those were pretty. good. Some of them were, I would say, hit and miss. Yeah, some good because the director was getting his chance, and so he cared. The actors were getting a break, and so they cared. 
Or, and maybe even the screenwriter was getting a break so he cared. It wasn't the same guy that's like – it wasn't like – I could see how uh, a John Carpenter would be like, I cannot do a, ha- a Halloween 6. I'm fucking – there's nothing left. I'm burnt. There is nothing. I killed him. He's been shot. He's been run over. You know what I think? Like Jason, he's been drowned. He's been – He's in space. He's been in hell. He's been in Manhattan, and you know, <laughs> which, he's been which all may over be the worse place. than hell in some people's oh, opinions. Oh, I know it was because, <laughs> believe it or not, they 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 had so little budget that they could they could only they the, they went back and he, they he had a script for uh, Jason being in Manhattan and being in Madison Square Garden and oh yeah, uh, 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 World Trade Center, um, the original World Trade Center, I should say. Uh, Empire State Building he had all of these scenes, but then they said, "No, nope, we don't have the money for the, you know to, to to shoot there." So he he had to rewrite the script to be more of it on the boat. Yeah, and then and even then, most of that stuff that you see is is uh, is just a set. That's not. I mean, that cheesy. I hate the way they make New York always so stupid. Nineteen seventies cheesy, where you got to get <laughs> mugged. Everybody gets mugged within five seconds. Uh. You know, they're down a dark alley that's smoky and, and rats. And I was like, oh, come on. You're watching. You're living in a different. I mean, I understand it's a movie, but they got they had to make some alleyway in wherever they were shooting. I think it was uh, Newfoundland. I don't know. Where I, were they? Where, I don't remember where that was shot. It I was know. it was they start where, where the kids were graduating from. Well, they're graduating from over there where wherever Camp Crystal Lake is. In that area. No, they were graduating from a different. Uh, they, well, they, that's where the boat was taking off from. No, no, no. They, they were taking. No, no. I just recently watched it. They were taking off from someplace in Canada or, or Newfoundland or wherever it was, and they some and and they don't explain it well because even the actors were like, "Hey, how did we get from, you know, wherever we were in Canada to through Crystal Lake, then into the Atlantic?" Because if you if you watch the movie again. The, the boat, whatever, sinks or whatever, and they're, they're in a rowboat. And then all of a sudden, it's a shot of the um, uh, Statue of Liberty. And I was like, whoa, how did that happen? It's because, guess what? They know most people aren't going to pay attention. Doesn't You don't need logic sometimes. And you do the best that you can with your budget. And it, and believe it or not, it made money. No, no, it, it did, uh, but... It, a little bit, but not a lot. No, I'm it, just it's, saying. it's not, well, because again, like like you said, when it comes to like these franchises like that, they still don't spend a whole lot of money, but the return no. is relatively the, the, the good return is decent. It's I would say not really good. It was decent. I mean, it, it, they had, I don't know, like a $5 million budget, and it made $14 million. And I'm sure that like the completists bought it on VHS and then, then probably on DVD and then probably a box set or whatever, yeah, you know, as, it, as, a, as the technology changes. But to go back to The Shining as a, as a good segue, uh, it goes to show you, and Halloween, how much music makes the, the movie. Because to me, one of my greatest inspirations is the beginning of The Shining. I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I've never I've never been into a movie like that ever in my life where they just rolled whatever Paramount or whatever I don't know who put it out whatever and then boom helicopter shot and that scary you know it's a it's a funeral dirge for priests yeah it's just like 15th century dirge and I was like wow and they're driving up you know 
you see the the, the, the um, Volkswagen going up the mountain and you get the helicopter shot and this beautiful scenic st- I was like, wow, this is amazing. Well, you have that, and, it's, like you said, it's the foreboding soundtrack as they're flying yes. up there. Everything yep. is serene, everything is peaceful, except for the right. feeling that you get that the music creates. Well, and it's a, and it's for a long time. It's like the yeah. first two or three minutes. Where, th- that's where where uh, same thing with the sh- with the Halloween without that without that score or Jaws, you know, because the shock didn't work. And without that dun 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 dun, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know. It's just it's just the camera underwater. It right. means it's, it's it has no context, but the music gives it context as you go. Oh snap! The shark's gonna come and eat those kids. Or oh snap! Jason is, you know, dun it. You know, he has his own theme when he's about to kill somebody. Or you hear the music. Or like I said, they do something innocuous, like where the girl uh, stains her shirt and she gets uh, locked in the laundry room, and uh, she's uh, cleaning her shirt, and you hear the music, and you think it's it's gonna be Michael Myers that kills her, and it's not. So it's like a it's like a trick. Yeah. You know, the music. One of them is the little girl gets her out of the thing. And then you, you see Michael Myers when when she's on the phone because she's thinking, she's thinking it's her boyfriend playing tricks. Yeah, well, I think that actually makes a good segue into, into the film that, uh, yeah, let's we, that we decided to talk about for this episode. And uh, right here, uh, what I'm going to do is real fast, we're going to play the trailer. And then we talk, we're going to talk about The Devil's Candy. If you haven't seen it, uh, it is relatively available on Netflix, which is great. Um, and uh, why don't we take a quick listen to the trailer? Okay, so uh, now that you've heard that, <laughs> uh, the, the big thing I want to talk about here and that really struck me is exactly what you're talking about, is the music. Because overall, I think this is, it's an okay movie to me. Like there, Maybe it was the, yeah. the point in which I saw it. I know there's some people that have asked me to see this film. Uh, and I can see why they really like it. And I, I don't think it's a bad movie. So don't get me wrong and say that's nope. terrible or whatever. But nope. music plays such a huge role in this film. And it feels like, uh, I don't know if you've seen the most recent Blade Runner, um, oh. 2049. Uh, oh. I, I won't spoil anything for you. But music also, I feel, plays a huge role in that in the way the soundtrack is very booming. Like, I remember sitting in the theater and thinking it, it just blares at times. It's so overwhelming uh, and I felt the same way while I was watching this, especially when our uh, our main character, well, I guess our, our main villain, technically, yeah. he, he's playing his red flying V, uh, <laughs> and it's just... Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, the same chord over and over, but it's so overwhelming, and it's the way that he can block out the voices. And when he's not right. playing it, then he all of a sudden, he starts acting upon whatever is going on well, in his head. Well, that that's the... To, to give you my perspective, I agree 100%. It's not a great film. It's not a horrible film. It's a it's a good – what I like is it didn't test your intelligence. No. Okay? No, nobody acted stupid. The teenager was not your tip. I thought she was a very good actress, that young yes. girl. Very good. You know, just acted like a, 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 a well-adjusted teen. She didn't – she wasn't crying she was upset when she really needed, like dad didn't pick her up and she had to sit there by herself and oh, it, it, she manipulated it, it, the shit out of him too. Just like you yeah, would but, see a kid around yeah, that age do. It, right. it was believable the way that she it was, was doing very, it. very not 
the typical. I was expecting her to just be whatever, you know, typical. But she wasn't. She was really like I. I felt like she was believable. And usually teenagers, you could go. It could be hit or miss. Yeah. But uh, I agree. That's what draw. I was like, okay, I, I like guitars. I like and and marshals and flying V's. And then I was like, man, this for, at first I was saying this is getting to be fucking annoying. How many times could he hit this E chord? <laughs> Brum. Oh, it's probably detuned, so he probably was in C sharp or something. Brum, brum, brum. And I'm like, oh god, bro, you got to stop. And then when it tells the story of how it keeps the the demons out of his head, I can. It's like, okay, the problem. What I'll tell you with this movie was, is it's really one thing for me. Is the story. The problem is that he was not. Um, I can't. What's the right word? It's, he wasn't. So there, there. At least when you read the description, like when you look at the description up on the Netflix page, it seems right. to suggest that there's something to do with possession in this, and it really has nothing to do with possession. Right. Like, no, it has. There that's, is that's, a sort yeah. of, but it's not. Right. It's not with him. It's right. with the father, and it's not. Right. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a pers- uh, uh, possession. It's a God. I, yeah. I, it's yeah, it's I to counterbalance the. I know. I, I try and figure out the word too, but it's to counterbalance <coughs> yeah. what you see with the character in Raymond. Uh, Jesse's right. the father. Ra- Raymond is the the bad guy. I guess you could say the yes. the antagonist. And the, uh, within the... Jesse, it's a possession more of like premonition anything else like he knows what's going to happen but he doesn't know why he knows what's going to happen and the house has something to do with that yeah right the house has something to do with it but here's the thing that what where it ruined it not ruined it but it was um i think if they just spent more time on the script and thought about it because as he's uh I, i guess we're giving spoilers right yeah we're gonna it's gonna be spoilers uh okay I mean, let's go it's, so let's go again, right it's, let's go uh, right. it's you know movies from 2015 it, it, yeah. and if you haven't seen it you can go back on netflix and you can yeah watch you it. could start in fact let's give a warning you can go right now and click pause on this podcast it's on netflix so you can go watch it and then come back and, and the cut that they have on netflix it's only 124 minutes something around there so it's a yeah. relatively short film i know that the the screening release was a hundred and uh it was close to almost an hour and a half, the the, the original screening. And then what they oh, did I, for I, this I, cut, it's been brought down uh, oh. by about 15 minutes or so. So it's still a, a good it, – it's very quick. It's not going right. to – you know, it's, it, I think, it's I think that anything was through. perfect. Yeah, I think that was the perfect thing to do because if it went on any longer – because there was already – you're straining the credulity of – of the of the police because it seemed like the police were like I'm like what do they are they do they not know what they're doing it, it seemed it it almost it was like how you said you didn't know how to define it is it possession is it not possession is it what is it it's it's hard to define in one word you ha- you just have to watch well, the movie yeah. you have to watch the movie to really get it because I don't think we could either one of us could explain it it, it and it's it, I would and say get the gist of it, it with it, words. Yeah, you you do need to see it because you need to see the two the two sides that go yeah, through need, between see, Raymond see the, and Jesse, yeah. and how they complement each other, and how the two sides of a different point of the part of the coin. But right? It, it goes it goes from for me it went from like I would say ninety percent believable, and then there was ten percent where it was up oh, here we go into horror movie stupidity. 
not too many points, but some points with the police where I go, okay, this is what is, uh, why do you have to do this? And it seems like because they needed to the plot point to move, mm-hmm. so they got to make the police like things like I mean the the police get the guy crashing the car and killing the two police officers. It's it's just stupid. Uh, and the, the possession part, um, I agree. Like when he's. I, I thought he was going to paint something way more evil. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, is he going to paint the, you know, uh, the, you know, I thought they were going to find uh, the children and it was going to be, so- I thought it was going to be like, uh, I don't think they knew what they wanted to be. It kind of was like, you know, like how they say seven is a horror movie, mm-hmm. but it's really like a police procedural and it's got a little yeah. bit of horror. This what this movie's got a little bit of that. It's got like, it's kind of this, but it's kind of that. But the thing that really was the big stickler for me as uh, as far as the writing and the script is is good it's solid it's it's not a bad movie I'm not saying it's bad but he never gets greedy like I would like cuz the devil would make you like I wish he would have sold the painting and made lots of money and then have this like the torture would be man h- how do I give up the evil when I'm making money, because he starts off, they're poor, they can't afford mm-hmm. that. You know, they go through this whole thing where they can't buy the house. So I would have loved to have, have had him, you know, come up with some whatever painting, uh, still tell your possession story, and have him uh, be conflicted with like, oh, I, if I, if I, if I do this painting, I'm gonna, I have to deal with the devil, I have to deal with this evil or demonic, possess- yeah. or whatever. It- and he never got greedy. He never made money. He never got – so I was like, what is the point of this – you know what I'm saying? I wish he yeah. would have been gre- – to me, I wish he was greedy. It was like you go, man, I was like, what do you do? You're stuck between a rock and a hard place. There's no – there's really no tension with for him, the painter, the father. Uh, and he's a cool dad. I couldn't stand – you know, they made it – you know, they didn't make it like a 1970s dad. They made him a cool dad and a cool wife and a cool kid and everything like that. Every, oh, I'm not saying that was bad, but – he at some point should have been greedy. He should have said, "Okay, you know, uh, I'm finally made. Let's say a hundred thousand, and then and then he's got to sit there and go, maybe maybe in him, his, just his story psychologically in his brain, he's got to go, okay, now what? What do I do now? Let's say he does. He makes a second painting and it bombs mm-hmm. because it's his natural talent, and it's not the evil that's giving him this special power to make these special paintings, you know." See, it, That's the way I felt. Where where I felt like it was going originally was that, it, especially since it's kind of, people put this also in like the haunted house genre. It's like an Amityville horror type of situation, right? Where yep. the house slowly infects the mind of the guy, and that's why he makes all the changes. And, and that one, he goes on a killing spree, killing his family here, or trying to kill his family. Uh, and here, I really felt in the beginning that the, the Raymond character that he had gotten out like, and he had the experience with he, him killing his mom in the beginning of the film and also killing, I assume this is his father. Um, and then leaving and then coming back, realizing what the house has done to him and that Jesse is being possessed to do something evil. Like you say, even the, right. the company that he goes to the art gallery that he goes to is called Belial, uh, which right, is the name yeah. of a demon. Right. And yeah. uh, it, uh, that it's all setting up to this, like he's going to be either possessed or, turned in a way that he's going to be the evil one and maybe this Raymond character is going to be the good guy that he's actually the one that's going to he knows what's been going on and he's going to try to stop the mistakes of what he's done but instead 
it really kind of turns around when you know he talks about you know, Raymond talks about the devil's candy and the meaning of that being that the kids are the devil's candy and that he has to feed right. them to the devil by killing them. Right. Uh, and you you see the the things that he does, and so it's like it's weird. You have up to that point where he first is he meets uh, the daughter. Uh, when he just randomly shows up at, at the house. I, that's what I was going to say. That's the 10%. Some of this stuff falls into that 10% of, this is ridiculous. She's answering yeah. the door. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to answer so polite. random stranger random at the guy, front door. Straight the front door. Uh, totally. She's like, polite. Hello, mister. Hey. And then he leaves her a fucking, you know, a $4,000 guitar. and an, You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I wish. And then your dad, can I keep it? And I was like, I, I don't To me, that's what I'm saying, that that – Little bit of sometimes they veer off into like that horror logic where it's like okay we need we need this plot to move so how do we do this you know yeah and that's unbelievable kind of, like guess, I don't know like you said out of nowhere just shows up and you he, you don't question it it's like weird. I would have been like who, do, who where's where's like police go call the police and then like those those and those scenes with the police they're like we're gonna keep you safe we're gonna keep you and then really it's like like you don't they didn't do anything for them. They didn't do anything the first time because because when he comes to the house for the first time, maybe I can see like okay here's this weird guy, but he's acting like way too odd. And you've already seen him again when you, the the police first see him at the hotel because again yeah, he's cop, playing his insane. he's playing his guitar right. with the same thing. And the first cop shows up and he's like, well I'm gonna give you a ticket. Uh, yeah, unless no. you quiet oh, it down. God. Like why why yeah, wouldn't like, you he- look further into the guy at that point too? That's what uh, I'm saying. Is like the horror logic always? I don't know if you, it affects uh, the saw, script. Yeah, if you if you ever saw uh, um, the Human Centipede, and I don't I don't advise you. I don't. I, <laughs> I thought I've I was the first two. I have not seen oh, the third one. Oh god, I, I haven't seen the third one either. I, I thought I was getting out of touch. I was like, oh, people keep mentioning this movie, and I was like, all <laughs> right, out of touch. Like, oh <laughs> man, seeing, seeing people go ass to mouth with each other. Oh god, I, I I didn't know that they just said human centipede, human centipede. I was like, all right, I I was like, am I old? Am I am I? Because I did that once with 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 Guitar Gear. I was like, man, do I are my 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 pedals? My my pedals are awesome. I, I don't need these new pedals. This is, this is just new shit to sell to teenagers. And I learned I learned that lesson the hard way. But anyway, uh, I was like, am I getting out of touch? Am I becoming? Am I becoming Walter? Am I becoming? Uh, Statler and Waldorf and uh, and the Muppets, you know the two old guys in the mm-hmm. upper deck that are cranky. I'm like, am I the cranky old man? Let me watch this movie. Okay, my girlfriend says, "What the fuck are you watching?" <laughs> right? Because I was I was like sitting on the floor. I was sitting on the floor, literally watching it through the, through an Xbox, and I look up to her and I go. I have no fucking idea what I'm watching. <laughs> this thing is so ridiculous. And then and people talk about the great acting. The great, but what? I was like, there's no, what are you kidding me? I'm literally, that scene, the one, the, the two minutes where the girls are in the car and the guys speak in German mm-hmm. and then they figure out, oh, he wants to, fu-, he's saying he wants to fuck us. And then, what? I, I don't know, someone still has, has to explain to me, why in the rain do you take off your shoes? I... Exactly. And why would you be thirsty? And when the guy comes, when you go to the door and the guy looks like a fucking homicidal maniac, why do you go in? Well, and especially then, when it's that actor, you see that guy, yeah, automatically then, he's, you know, wait, uh, this wait. is no good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like screaming, like, run away. It's screaming, put your shoes back on and fucking run, okay? But no, they go in and he drugs the, the water 
so that she so that she could uh, whatever he roofies the water, and she spills it, and then he goes by himself in the kitchen, and then he's like, "Here, drink the water." No, no, here you must drink the water. I'm like, "Hello, come on, please, please use some logic." Why is she third? And it's raining. It's not like it's hot. If they, if they were like, like if they would have had them in the car and would have said eight hours later, you know, like sort of like if you ever see the Sopranos where they did the Pine Barrens. I, you I, know what? I, I did not. My folks were okay. a fan of them, but at the time when I was in college, did not have HBO. Okay, okay. Uh, and there's an episode where they get stuck in the Pine Barrens and they find a a a um a, a vehicle a van. That's been, you know, like worn out. It's just been left there, and there's and there's nothing. They're freezing. They're starving, and you know, one guy's got a tic tac. The other guy's like opening up ketchup packets that they found in there. You know, then I can understand there's there's desperation. You know, mm-hmm. these girls they're sitting in the car. Why is there any desperation? Why are you taking your shoes off in a torrential rainstorm? They're gonna get wet anyway. I, I didn't get I didn't get any of the logic, and then the cops. The cops come. This is what I mean by horror logic. <laughs> there's one guy with a gun, and there's two police uh, men with guns. So there's two guns versus one gun. So the one guy shoots, looks, points his gun at the at the evil doctor, and the evil doctor gets the shot off, and the guy just watches as the bullet enters his his belly, and so does the other cop. They just stare at each other, looking like, "Oh my god, he shot me!" And now I gotta I gotta fall over. <laughs> then the other guy point. I'm like, you should have shot him dead already. Come on. And then the, he gets another shot off and he kills the other cop. Well, How? Dude, like with here with Raymond, he seems to love using rocks for like everything that he does. And he's they're They're not able to do like anything different. Like even when he gets the gun and he enters the house towards the end of the movie and you have Jesse's hiding behind the door with the bat, you would think that he would be able to get, the the jump on him like he has the jump right. on him already right. and he ends up getting basically well shot right and yeah. it's like how how does this happen like the guy comes in and even the way that he's acting he he feels like he's got some type of mental autism or something with him yep. uh not just necessarily the schizophrenia of hearing the voices in his head from the devil uh but he can't really handle himself that well and, and, what, no, uh, and when he uh, first when yeah. he first sees the family, it's like when you see that, yeah, okay, I guess that's maybe a little bit of a sympathetic type of angle to him. Maybe with the family sees him, but at the same time, wouldn't you call somebody at that point? Like, look, this weirdo showed up at my house. His parents are the ones right, that died exactly. here. Uh, yeah. You guys need to go find him. He's walking along the road wherever we live. Right, and, 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 and that's and, what. I- yeah, go ahead. Well, said the other thing that that gets me, and this is a, an ending, like a very at the ending spoiler thing. He manages to every kid that he kills, he buries on the same goddamn property, I, and I nobody know. fucking notices this. Nobody notices. I know. And, and it takes oh, Jesse and his like realization. Oh, they're inside of me. They're trying to break out. He realizes that they're on the farm, and they're the ones communicating with him. You know, the whole time trying to tell him what was going on and to warn him that this guy was coming right. after his daughter. So it's not an evil possession for him. They're right, he's just right. seeing what they see. But at the same time, like, how the hell does he just randomly fucking show up on this farm to, to bury the bodies of dead kids? What, exactly what I'm saying, why it's not a horrible movie. It's like it's I. It's like a 95% good or 90% good. But then there's this lapse in logic where you go. 
what the fuck were you thinking here? Like you, you could have made this like, like I like you said with the the first police officer. Why, you know, like if it was a teenage kid, you know, I you could say, all right, he's a kid. Uh, you yeah. shrug it off as a teenager, but it's a like a fifty five year old guy strumming his guitar, and I'm like, wouldn't that set set some alarm bells off? And that he was able to be. Uh, the way he was able to get out of like, oh, okay, well, you know, if you do this again, I'm going to come back and ticket you. You Now be a good boy. You know, that kind of stuff is like, uh, you know, a lapse in logic. But on the positive side, when he finally captures the girl, the daughter, Mm -hmm. and she's in the bathroom, it's exciting. There's tension there. It's really good. So I'm saying to myself, how could you write this really good scene you know where she's barely gets out, and then I did. Oh sh- snap! He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna get through the door, and he's gonna grab her, and he almost does. Yeah, and he, you he, know, he they does made it really get good her by the leg, and yeah. she's able to escape because she he can't hold on as she's pushing yeah. and pushing, and he pulls the shoe off instead. Right? It, yeah, it's, it's, they, it's, it's great a really, tension. It's great yeah, scene. Great, great suspense tension because usually the girl, they usually they they would like. Uh, you know, show both sides, like like the guy from his perspective banging the door, then the other perspective of the the person trying to get out of the ropes or the tape or whatever, and then usually when they kick in the door or whatever, the the the, the bathroom windows open and the person is gone. Mm-hmm. This time, or, or sometimes the person kicks a little and they kick them right in the face and then they get away. No, this was like I I was like oh she's. She's going to get away. Nope. Then he gets like almost like half her body back in. Mm-hmm. I said, this is good. This is like, okay, you're avoiding you're, – you're taking something that was I, – I mean it's hard to call it a cliche because, you know, to do it – it's going to be done. It's like it's like in anything. It's going to be – you know, you can't write a movie going, okay, I got to watch every movie and do what – you know, what, what hasn't been done. No, guns have been done. Shooting has been – blood has been done. So it's how you do it. You know, so to me, they took a scene that very easily could have been uh, a cheesy kick him in the face. He falls down and she gets away and runs away. No, they made it, you know, almost like a back and forth tug of war. She gets away. She doesn't quite get away. She gets almost pulled back in. She kicks him. He gets, you know, he she gets. Then she finally ultimately gets away. You know, that kind of uh, it was really suspenseful in that way. And then other ways I go. Okay, yeah, I, like you said, why does he have to? Why does he have to knock the kid in the on the swing with a with a brick? Yeah, you know, with a rock or whatever it was. Yeah, I, I like in the beginning of that scene too, where, where she's escaping. That you still get the you get even that uh, build up of tension beforehand, where she's yeah. realizing, oh, hey, this oh. he didn't take me down right, and yeah. this piece is loose, and she's smart enough to realize that. I can put it on the floor and I can roll, but they're cutting over to, because the first time you see him kill the, uh, or get ready to chop up the kid, he's already dressed up in the, the bag and he has the hacksaw and he's going to go into the bathroom to do what he needs to do. But here he, it's, he slowly is watching his religious programming, talking about how the devil is oh, all yeah. among us and everything like that. But he's slowly taking off his shoes and then you, it cuts back over to her and she's, she can't quite reach the, the piece of tape. And then the next scene, Oh, he's, he's already getting ready to put the bag on. So we, we know we're, we're rooting for her to get that piece of tape, get figure out how, well, how is she going to get out of this? Oh, she's smart enough to put it on the ground and then roll everything off of her because of how he's not like, you know, put pieces of it here. He's just used one continuous loop of tape. Uh, well, that's what, that's what I'm so trying cool. to say is right. That's my point is like, this is well written, well shot. Well, um, what is it called? Blocked, you yeah. know, 
um, oh, the the perspectives are good, really suspenseful, um, you know, uh, as as not cliche as they could make it. Like mm-hmm. it seems like they put effort in because they very easily could have been. She get she cuts the things off. She gets out, and he doesn't know. He's he he very easily could have been this way. He's watching the uh, the religious programming, and he and he's just you know stuck and becomes comatose, like watching it, like uh you know like you know because you know just gets lost in watching it. And mm-hmm. she has enough time to cut through all her things and get it all off and escape. Yeah, it could have been it could have been that lame. Not not that that's lame, but that would it could have been that simple. Yeah, but like they didn't said, make it simple. It wasn't simplistic at all. They really—that's what I'm saying. When they take the time to do this and then make other things, where the police—and it always seems like the horror movie logic likes to make the police dumb <laughs> or ridiculous or unbelievable. Or I—I I, I don't like when they do that. Uh, and just so they can move the plot forward. And I was like, no, have the police be realistic. Just come up with a good way for him. To kill the police. Now, now maybe he runs over one cop and has a shootout with the other cop. You know what I'm saying? Do something. Yeah. Do something. Make it a little bit more believable than ramming the car. I mean, it makes for a good jump scare that he rams the car. He, I think he severs the one guy and the other lady's like half alive. And well, he and then he gets her. He pins her against it and he knocked yeah, him pin- on the ground. And yeah. then you see the guy cop. He's crawling towards his gun, but then he hits him right. with a rock and takes the right. gun. Yeah. That I mean, uh, that one that I would have would have liked to have to have them rethink that. Also, the 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 if I don't know if you care about CGI, I hate hate hate. If you're gonna use fire and put fire in your script, oh, are you talking about use, the, the fire on the stairs? Yeah, oh, use real crappy. fire. That was so. That was so the transporter. Like yeah. you, ever, you ever seen the movie The Transporter? Yep. There's a scene in that movie where a guy. Drives his car off the uh, garage park. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where there's a ramp where you could drive off a garage park. <laughs> Whatever. He crashes into a helicopter. The whole thing explodes into a big fireball and no no debris. It just explodes. Yeah. Same thing here. The fire was so – it took away from me. It took away even from when he's like – um. again, it didn't make sense because nobody's getting burned nobody's uh the, he's trying to get the daughter to jump over get jump over the fire jump over the fire you know she's afraid and i was like uh no this doesn't make me believe no you the, make the, the situation is very it, it looks yeah. fake on the, on the outside it looks I, so bad i did like the the interaction between them like i think right. that that was probably my favorite thing in the film was the the dad and daughter relationship uh and how truly believable it was between them uh, and how much like he mostly because of the girl. The girl was a oh, very yeah. good actress. Well, even uh, it's Ethan even Embry the guy was that, a good that plays yeah. uh, Jesse, and and it's funny. The last thing I remember him from is Dutch with Ed O'Neill. Uh, that's a way back of the day yeah. uh, film. Uh, but it's he. It, there's something between the two of them that is just it feels really natural, and he becomes like you can see that he's her hero, and he truly does become her hero again at the end of the film. Uh, even after, you know, and, and the one thing I hated, the line I hated the most is when we can still be friends, right? And I'm like, you're, you're, you're her dad. You're not a friend. You're her dad. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> you know, <I> know. <laughs> but it, it's, 
just seeing how they do it, even the scenes that like you see when he's painting and he's like possessed while he's painting. First, he does the cross, um, which I was like, man, you spent that much time and that's the painting that you came yeah. up with. Oh, it was so <laughs> tr- Yeah, I was like, that. It wasn't even the painting. I was expecting more from the painting. I thought it would be more evil or yeah, yeah, or more something like twisted. Like maybe it's gonna predict, you know. It did sort of predict, like it was like saying, like his daughter was going to be the next victim. But I'm just saying, it could have been more wicked or evil or uh, something more where he's because it, every time that she was left at school, he was like, "Oh fuck," you know, it, you know, it seemed like it was five minutes, but it was really eight hours. Yeah, eight hours or ten hours or whatever it was he he got lost. He would get lost in that whatever you want to call a demonic state, and he really didn't draw anything good and. It seemed like, uh, you know, he was always, um, he was always, uh, you know, uh, for the time frame that he was gone, he didn't accomplish all that much for, for the for, for the devil possessing you or whatever, whatever you want to call it that's possessing him. He didn't get a whole lot done. No, like if the if the, if he would like, no, would have been a wicked reveal is he, you know, because he had like a, the 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 tarp on the on the painting. If he would have went into one of these fugue states and and got and the and the well, wife came in and instead of seeing all the butterflies because he was doing that thing for the bank, mm-hmm. she sees some like Hieronymus Bosch, really epic. Like, how the fuck did you get this done in like, you know, a day kind yeah. of thing? You know, because they had. I if you looked at the credits, they had a lot of artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made to. Uh, I watched the credits because they had really was not that many bands. I think it was Slayer, Metallica, and the band Sun. With the, the like, it's the name of the brand of an amp. I don't know if you're familiar with the name of the brand of the amp. It's Sun with a circle and with these like, uh, quote like a quotation, not a quotation, um, semicircle. It's like a circle with like all these half circles, and that's the name of the brand. Uh, I'm not of the, of the, not very familiar yeah. with that brand. Okay, it's a it's an old amplifier, and, and I think that's where the the band got their name from was the name of the amplifiers, and they just. And they just strum on Les Pauls. I mean, I've seen them. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun. I mean, it's like, really, it's like, it's not, uh, I mean, they could use, um, they could use, uh, like, well, with like Black Sabbath, you know, people take out the one element of, oh, yeah, well, they detuned. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but how about the bass line and the bass and the lyrics? And mm-hmm. how about all, how about all the other stuff that goes with it? You know, there's only, you can't, there's only so much. Dun dun dun! Like after that, you know, I can't. I don't know if I can listen to that for for twenty <laughs> for minutes 20 straight. Minutes, you know, but yeah, I, twenty I, minutes is like too much. I, you know, but for 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 an opening for a movie, like I like I you said, it's like it's good because oh, okay, now I get it. He's he's blocking the demons exactly. Yeah, he's blocking the demons. But I was still saying, man, holy cow! This is like how how long is he gonna it, do this? It's a it was a little too much for me, but I think that overall like the use that they they brought in those songs and the way they did the music it fit it really well and it it really helped you with the pace of the film as well and and the difference between the two uh i I think areas where everything with raymond kind of was kind of drowning uh in in terms when you when you saw him or it was something that was just sometimes the music the volume would raise up as he was talking or you had the the sound like as he's talking to the cop the first time when he's telling him to turn the music down 
uh, everything is just being blocked out slowly but surely. You get the ringing sound in your ears, and then you start yeah. hearing the little voice and stuff. Yeah, I, oh. I thought that th- that was the sound design in this movie is so fucking cool that yeah. it saves a lot of the the cheesiness that you kind of explained. Well, you know, with that. Well, there's not a lot. It's, it's just that no, it's, it's, it's the, just when, when it's do, there. It's when it's like, there. It's it's yeah. It's just too. It's too much. It's like that. Too much. I would like I said. It, you know what it is? It's it's a good solid movie, mm-hmm. but like those, but when those little lapses, it goes, oh my god! It's like like you like I said with the with the suspense, it was that was so suspenseful. How do you go from that to then being, <laughs> uh, you know, like ridiculous or have like did you got lazy or like you had time to write this out or block this out or think this out and go okay okay this was good oh this is a great scene now we're gonna make this what uh, a silly scene or a bad scene or listen i understand listen i, I we've gotta i always tell that if i do a podcast i always say take this one in context because we're not filmmakers no okay if you had to be on set and you had to do it, I'm sure that they had decisions that they had to make. I'm sure that even when, as they say, the best laid plans of mice and men, you know, uh, even with a great plan and a great budget, I'm sure that things pop up that they didn't expect. And then they got to cut somewhere. And and that's what they're going to cut. And instead of using real fire, because maybe they don't want to get the real uh, fire people to do the fire. Or maybe they don't have a house to burn. That they go, okay, we just do this with CGI. But even with CGI, you could have made it. That was like really bad CGI fire. Yeah. To me, that was like it really, <laughs> I mean, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. It's like it's good. It's almost like uh, it's like 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 putting mustard or ketchup on a piece of cake. It's like it doesn't mix. It's like it's. The cake is good. Why would you put mustard on it? You know, it's like, know what I'm saying? It's like that. It's, I know it's a bad analogy, but it's like that's the way this movie comes off. It's like it's good at its foundation. It's good. It's watchable. It's like a, it's a six, six point five, a seven maybe. Uh, it's a, it, it's it doesn't test your intelligence. No. There's good actors. You like all the actors. I like the dad. I like the daughter. The mom was a. Uh, she's okay, you know, but she's good for what she does. Yeah, she, she's good for what she does. I mean, it, there's nothing inherently like roll your eyes, horrible. I mean, I've seen worse cheese. I mean, I'm not. This is not even nowhere near close to being human centipede level nonsense. But, but when it's good, you want to hold it to a little bit of a higher standard. And so when it's really, you're really into it. You don't want it to then lapse into like, oh come on, did you really, really, did you have to do this now? Did you really have to make this like um? So incredibly, like not unbelievable, but too convenient. It's too easy. You make the cop go away too easy. Mm-hmm. He he eliminates the two police officers in front of the house too easy. You know, it, it, make give him some difficulty. You know, yeah. or like the kids throwing the fri- was he throwing the frisbee with the dog and the dog goes in the woods and I was like, oh, that kid's dead. But I was wrong. Was the but, kid on no, the swing who got the that's rock? That's what I was gonna say. That scene in particular. That's. I wasn't sure who he was going to be focusing on. Yeah. And, and that was, I, I liked the way that that was set up and I really felt like, okay, well he's now he's going after the guy that's going to the bushes. That's where he's going to get. Nope. He's going yep. on the kid on the swing. Yeah. Uh, and then to, twist. to your point in, in terms of tension, in terms of whatever's, uh, you know, being set up in it, the, the, 
going back to like the scene with the the daughter in the bathroom and how tense that is the final scene where he enters the house and takes her and sets everything on fire it's not a very tense scene like i would have liked to have seen when he goes into the the art room to take take the daughter from the mom go in there for a second let's see what's going on there and the tension that's going instead you're just kind of left out in the the foyer and seeing yeah. the dad on the floor bleeding out um you know not conscious at that point and also, just hearing noises also, in the background also unbelievable he gets shot point blank <laughs> with a with a double barrel shotgun is it a double barrel shotgun mm. no it was just a, a standard uh oh, okay whatever, oh, whatever. Like it was but still he gets shot twice in the in the like in the, in the lung basically I, yeah i was like he's dead and then and then he makes this miraculous like See, that's what I'm saying. It's that lapse in, yeah. like, either, either, you know, if he gets shot, have him get shot and then maybe fall into the other room where it's dark. So maybe he got shot in the leg and yeah. the other and the villain doesn't know it. But when you have the guy shot twice and he's lying there and he's looking over him, too, no less. And yeah. he walks right past him. And then what is it? What is he? What do we have these? That's what I'm saying about with horror movies where they have this miraculous pain oh. threshold recovery. Are you dead or are you not dead? I mean, are you? You're, it's like he's he's well, dead. It's like for he's the, a Michael Myers type of situation yeah. here. He's been shot he's, up. He's he's yeah. definitely bleeding out because you can see the blood that's all over the floor. And his wife, and actually a really good scene right before she wakes him up, where the Raymond points the gun at her head, and you're like, yeah. is he actually going to? And she oh, and the daughter yeah. is screaming and saying, no, no, no. And then he he's like he's debating whether not to, and then he does it, and there's no bullets left. Like the that whole little just that little sequence is so good, and then it gets kind of cheesy again with the fire, with the, her walking over, or crawling over him, waking Jesse up so that right. he can go get the ladder to go to her room upstairs. Right, and it, and it's the it's the context of it too. It's because he's dead for thirty seconds, but when you need him to be a superhero, guess what? He's gonna climb that ladder. He's gonna be all fine and dandy. He's gonna get through the fire. He's gonna save her from the bedroom. He's only got like, one working arm, but he manages to bludgeon I, him over oh the head using both. Uh, oh, which I on. I thought that was uh, uh, appropriate that he killed him with his own guitar. Um, yeah, I thought that was I, I was I thought it'd be a little cheesy when, it, but I was like, you know what? Okay, this is like an appropriate ending uh, for that guy. But um, if he as long, but if he wasn't shot twice, lie. I mean, they do such a good the way it's shot. You have to watch the movie. It's a it, the camera is low, mm-hmm. and it's look almost from like the the wife's perspective. It's almost looking up, and you see this big uh, and the guy's a heavy big guy, mm-hmm. Raymond. And the father's on the floor. He's bleeding. He's uh, his eyes are closed. You you're thinking he's got to be dead. I mean, this isn't a supernatural. Uh, I guess you whatever. I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm saying I'm thinking. Come on, use logic. You could have done this a different way. You could have had him shot. I mean, people, listen. In the history of bullets, I mean, this people have told me some crazy stuff. So you could come up with something crazy. Shoot him in the knee. Shoot him. Maybe have it close. Like have him. Uh, I've seen. Um, I don't know if you ever saw this thing. It was on the news. Uh, uh, I think it was a teacher or a guy who was losing his mind. Or lost his mind. He had a he had a, a revolver, and the guy there was a teacher that was duck. He was behind a skinny tree. I mean, it was so skinny that it was like not. I was like, how could this guy miss? You know, <laughs> and he missed each time. 
And the guy was just going behind. The tree was literally like a, like, um, like if you, like a, almost like a wiffle bat or a mm-hmm. baseball bat. It was that thin. And this guy was shooting at him. So, you know, you could go on the premise of um, this, is guy, this guy's lunatic. He is not a, he's not a, a experienced marksman. So maybe you have him, the father there, and maybe you block it out differently and you have him onto the side. He points the gun. Maybe it grazes his ear and you see a lot of blood and you make it make us believe that he's got shot exactly, in the head. Yeah. And then you could say, okay, great. Then this guy's okay. Then it makes sense. But it seems like they were like, okay, we, we want to have the, the squibs go off or something or have it. I mean, it was so, he was so right there. Like, you know, and he aimed for the, his body yeah. and he got it through his body. So I was like, how does he, so it's like, okay, he's dead for 30 seconds and then he's alive. Then he's a superhero. I was like, oh, well, maybe it was just the CGI bullets that went through him that was the oh, reason why okay. he survived. Because those two <laughs> gunshot wounds that happen, they look really awful. And even yeah. when, when he shoots, because she locks herself with the, the kid in the garage uh, or in the, the art room or whatever you want to call it. And then when he shoots it, there's like so much spark uh, when he shoots the lock off the door that yeah. it's just... <laughs> Well, you know, you got to do, yeah, I know it's bad, but sometimes you got to, you got to realize like I, uh, I, um, when people say, why do, why do, uh, in, in music videos, do you see the guitar player, uh, you know, strumming like these exaggerated strums? Mm -hmm. It's because, it's because the director is, you know, when you actually play, do you play the guitar? No, I do not. Okay. Okay. When you play the guitar, it's your, your your uh, your right hand that's uh, strumming or picking the string mm-hmm. uh, is such a minimal movement. It's it, if you were doing a music video, it would look like you're just standing there like a dope when you're really not. So I think that they, for dramatic effect, to make it look like you're actually playing, they make them do these uh, exaggerated upstrokes and exaggerated downstrokes. I think that sometimes in a movie to make you believe something happened that they, you know. Uh, to blow the lock off. I know the sparks was too much, but maybe maybe they had a um, special effects guy that said, "Hey, you know what? I can make this look really fucking awesome." And I got some, you know, sparkler dust here, and it's gonna look more <laughs> than what it's great. gonna be. It's gonna look great. And so sometimes I think a film director is not is not always using logic. Sometimes he's using logic when he when it comes to budget because he's like, okay, I don't have the money to shoot this, so we got to be creative. Whereas other times people might come up to him and say, hey, you know what? I got uh, whatever the whatever the pyro guy is called. I don't know what it's called in in movies. Oh, I forget the name again. It'll come to you'll get a lot of <laughs> comments on the. Well, it'll yeah. be like the autopsy man. Yes, it'll, this is gonna exactly. be the autopsy man. That'll be the, the, the next hashtag for this after the Corn yeah. Trees incident. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he'll get. You might have. You might have the uh, pyrotechnics, uh, whatever person, come on and say, you know what? I just did this other movie. I got a half a pound of whatever, or I have this stuff that's been laying around. I got to use it before it's out of date or whatever. So. You know, sometimes, you know, like artists do, will do each other a favor. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. It might it might be that. I mean, you, there's, a, there's millions of stories of, of people helping each other and stuff like that. So I, I think that sometimes when you see a movie, you got to think about all the machinations behind it, where sometimes it's happenstance, sometimes it's luck, sometimes it's um, like in the case of Jaws, uh, Steven Spielberg was fucked. He was like... 
He goes, I didn't realize that the sky was going to change the color of the water. I didn't realize this. But then you learn, yeah. you know. And so I think that some, I think something like that happened. I think somebody caught, you know, like, oh, or, or the pyrotechnics guy, wherever they shot. I forget. Where did they shoot this again? Uh, well, it's, that in it's based in Texas. Uh, okay, yeah, they shot I, Texas. They, I believe that it was shot outside of, uh, well, I mean, rural Texas. It's supposed right. to take place some type of uh, right. law. I think it's outside of houston if i'm not mistaken okay okay so now maybe maybe the, the pyrotechnics guy that they had has a friend that's close by that's that's like oh yeah i could do this i could do that or you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. a buddy a buddy could help another buddy out and so something that would have been like oh man how do i shoot this becomes something we you thought it was cheesy i might say it's cheesy but you know maybe he's thinking this is a movie i gotta make it look I, it's got it's a visual medium, so he yeah. wanted to make it look more visual. So that's what I'm saying. It's like when we talk about these things, or wherever we talk about it, whether we tweet or blog or do podcasts, it's like we're really not nitpicking because we know oh, no. we really know how hard it is. And, and it for, easily could be just that's the the take that worked the best too. Right? They, they yeah. could have set it up seven times. And right. on this one happened to be the best take that they got and whatever they used for the effect, they put a little too much in there and it right. just trailed or, off. Or, con- or conversely, they might have said, you know what, we're at we got a budget for 24 days We're on the last day. This is the take. That's it. Yep. So that's why when we bring these up, I, was, I always like to try to bring to let people not that I have tremendous expertise in this, but to be a little be open minded, not to be just like, oh, what you see is what you get. Sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes it's budgetary reasons or an actor won't do this or it's a, too dangerous a stunt or, or, or like, I, like I just said as an example, a buddy might have helped another buddy and said, hey, yeah, I got this stuff and uh, I don't have – you know, what I have is too explosive. It's too dangerous and the permits, they won't let us do it. So you got this stuff? Oh, it's, it's overly sparkly. Well, so what? Yeah. You know, This the, is where I'm going the, with it. This is where I'm going with it. My options are, do I use dynamite or do I use sparklers? I'm going to go with sparklers. <laughs> sparklers. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, though, it, 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 it happens in real life. You know, I, I'm not real life. I'm saying in in, in shooting movies, I, what happened or, or anything in life is what I meant to say is, you know, what you have written down in, on paper, it, that doesn't, you know, like I said, best laid plans of mice and men. Uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mean it's going to go as you script it. Even if you think about it right, you script it right, you plan it right, something might happen. It might be a day where you're going to shoot outside and it rains and that throws off your schedule and that throws a monkey wrench into everything that you do because that's a day that everybody has to get paid, but you get nothing shot. Yeah, I because absolutely it's agree with to, that. Because it's, it's an outside day and instead of an inside day. Yep. So that's what I'm saying. Shit happens. And you got to let something slide. So be more be more cognizant of the the people on the other side of the camera. They're not always trying to fuck you or screw you over or trying to make a sh- – they're trying to do their best. I would say most of the time they're trying to do their best. But, you know, when you have a limited budget, you you know, if you don't have the hun- you know the $100 million CGI budget, you can't do the things that you think you want to do. You know, I don't know what the budget is. Did you do you have the um do you have that down in your notes? I don't have that down in oh. my notes. Um okay. I didn't check that out. That I can actually look up relatively yeah. 
quick. Yeah. I know it was purchased by IFC Films. Um, hmm. This does not. Uh, well, Wikipedia doesn't have the budget. Um, uh, IMDb. Yeah, that's where I'd have to go look it up. I, I hate going through IMDb sometimes. Let's see. But it was it's a as you look that up I'll chit chat. Uh the um uh as I said with the uh, that movie Zombie with with 250,000 you got to stretch that out over everything. You got to think you got to feed these people, you got to travel, they have to get to an island. How much is shot in New York? I mean they shot in New York, they shot in all different places. Uh, throughout New York, they had to get eventually get to that island, which I don't know if that how much of that was a set and how much of that was all on the island. Um, you know, you had the practical effects when uh, they were throwing the uh, Molotov cocktails, which look like real Molotov cocktails, and you got you got real people that are playing zombies. Uh, they're not in uh, fire protective suits like like NASCAR, you know, or firemen, or the people that do burns. You know, when they get dressed up and they have all of that. Cool. They have to have that suit, and they have the coolant on them, mm-hmm. and then they get set on fire, and then they get you know snuffed out real quick. Uh, you know, like uh, the the uh, people come with the blanket and the and the uh, fire extinguisher. I mean, there's only so much they could go because it's sucking up all the oxygen. The the person can't breathe, so it's like the to do the burn. You know, like when a person gets a bur- does a burn, uh, 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 sets them the whole their whole body on fire. Yeah. Like a, a character like uh, does it, and, and the person gets dressed up, and they put on a lot of layers of this. Um, it's a special uh, suit or clothing, and then they put that coolant gel, a really thick layer of that coolant gel, and then they set themselves on fire. So, you know, it's it's dangerous. Uh, there's people that have tried it, and they they can't get the person out. You know, I think I saw that on YouTube. The uh, a guy was, I think he went almost a minute. And you and you can't you don't want to breathe in the flames. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. It's not it's like not a joke. It's like oh, we can't get this person out. And it was somebody that tried to do it themselves and then weren't professional. So you gotta you gotta leave that to the professionals. Uh, don't uh, don't, don't mess with the don't fire. put yourself on fire by yourself. Don't put yourself on fire by yourself. <laughs> or think or and they had a, they had someone there with uh, uh I forget it's not a regular blanket. What is it again? It's like a. Oh. Not asbestos, but it's a it's a no, special. I, I know what you mean, and I you know I, it's really it's meant to snuff out fire, like it's meant to like cut it or right off. But they couldn't get it to stop reigniting, and they were spraying him with the with the fire. It was like really, it was really bad. I was like, don't kids, don't do that at home. As like when I was a little <laughs> kid, when Gene Simmons used to spit fire, well, he still spits fire, but uh, he would always say, don't do this at home, kids. Don't set your house on fire. Don't if you're making a, a film for YouTube. Don't mess with fire. Get a professional because it's really dangerous. And, or, or just go get the uh, uh, what is it again? Uh, what's the movie making software? Damn, I'm oh, drawing a well, blank. Well, there's like Adobe Premiere, and there's a couple of different uh, things yeah. like that. Yeah, get Adobe and do uh, Final Cut Pro and add your uh, fake CGI fire because it's better off that way. Yeah, you know, what? Look, looking up, cannot find it. I can tell you how much it, okay. it grossed. I can tell you how much it uh, uh, in probably, different probably, markets. But for some reason, yeah, yep. it, it was because it's a direct to you know yeah. video release. Um, yeah. Which again, for a direct to video release, this is a pretty damn good movie. Yeah, very uh, to be good. Completely honest with you, uh, I got to say I agree. 
So uh, overall, uh, I guess the question is, is recommend it? Don't recommend it. I say recommend it, but I think we gave all the spo- the spoilers and the, <laughs> the, the bad points and the good points, which again – is up to it's up to you. It's your don't uh, be swayed by uh, my opinion. You are completely entitled to your own opinion, and please think for yourself because you might you might look at this and say ah it's cheesy, or you might say it sucks, or you might say this is really good. And I say it's 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 again it's almost like the possession thing. How do you word it? <laughs> it's good and it's a little the cheese when it's cheese it's. It's just, it's not horrible. It's just, it's it's a really good movie. It should be an eight, but it's like a six point five because the lapses in logic and he's dead, he's not dead. That kind of thing is is it's just like you're doing this just to make a movie, and or you're thinking, okay, you know what? Uh, whoever's watching this, fuck it, they're just fifteen. They're not gonna they're not gonna care. <laughs> You know that that's where I'm I'm gonna knock off a couple of points. But other than that, I definitely for especially for a directed video or sh- streaming or whatever you want to call it, I would say definitely yes. Especially if you're a little bit older and you're tired of the, uh, you know, I don't know. Did you ever see the movie Hatchet? Uh, I think I've seen the first one. It's been a while. Okay, I mean, it's like uh, do you really the, the kids in the I'm tired of the whole premise of the dopey teenagers, uh, even dopey adults. I'm tired of the dopey adults. Have yeah. somebody this – is, this is really well – even if you take away the cheesy parts, you will like the interaction between the daughter and the father is excellent. Yes. It's really good. It's believable. It's not overly done. She's not overly – she's not melodramatic. No. I mean she's when she's pissed – she has a right to be pissed because she's left at school and there's no other way for her to get home. And the father's having his fugue states while he's painting. And she's sitting there for three hours in the dark, you know, under a school light, you know, waiting for him to show up. And he's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, <clears throat> excuse me. It's that's there's a lot of very good, strong points. I would put way more check marks in the good points than in the bad in the uh in the bad column but in the bad column the things that you do check off they're going to be they might be uh, depending on your own opinion they're either going to be more or worse cheesy yep. depending on what your cheese factor is i i think that in my sliding <coughs> scale oh no worries uh no, it, it would you'll be... edit that out <laughs> or maybe I'll just leave it in there for the hell of it. Leave it in. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I would put this at a four out of five uh, on on my really? scale. Yeah. It, All right. So you're giving it you're giving it a, an eight out of ten. Yeah, I would be giving it an eight out of ten. I think that it's for for the flaws that are there. You know, they can be a little glaring, but for me, it didn't detach myself from the overall film. It it had me in there, and and the point that I watched it, um, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes I felt like okay, well. I am not as intent as I would watch or intense, I should say, as I would watch a, a regular film where I'm trying to get the, here are the audio cues that I want to grab for you and this stuff. It, it was definitely enjoyable and it, it kept me going. There was a couple of little lulls, but every time there was a lull, there seemed to be something else that brought me right back into, to, okay, I'm really into this. And, yes. and that made overall for the, the budget that I'm assuming it has, I'm assuming that this is, less than a 10 million dollar budget you know it, it's probably oh, I closer would say to like a, maybe one to two five 
yeah, you know, yeah, somewhere like in that three to five, three to five, I would say, between yeah, the, the actors yeah. that are in it between the sets because there's not the, the there's yeah, not a whole not, lot, yeah, there's not a whole lot of sets, right? And they and they make and they make the most out of, I will say, they make the most out of the leash because when when he gets into his fugue states and the daughter's pissed. I mean, it's a it's the right amount of time where they sit there and talk because or not talk where there's silence where she's mm-hmm. pissed and he's sitting there and he's like, no, come on, please, I'm sorry, you know, I know, I promised, and he because he he fucks up too many times. Yep. And now this time she's like, you know, no, no, I'm not talking to you. And then it doesn't last too long, and then they work it out, and they're like, you know, so it wasn't like an excessively long scene where you go, okay. They got ten minutes of movie, so now how are they going to fill out the other seventy minutes? And and it's not it's not like that at all. It's not a uh, okay, we're going to waste ten minutes here when you don't really need need it to mm-hmm. be ten minutes. So yeah, I agree. But I th- but overall, the movie itself, it was good, but it wasn't. Uh, um, it really wasn't all that. Of a movie, you know what I'm saying? It's uh, yeah, I can, I can see what you're looking at there. I, it's I think... it's really hard to explain because I really don't want to knock it. <laughs> no, I really don't. It, it, but because it, it, I think it's, that... there's so many positives. There's such the direction is good. The the camera's good. Uh, you know they that, didn't get that's it. Where they just... I think I give it that extra little boost. In, yeah. in my opinion, where the, the way that scenes are are shot, the way like the scene where he he's late again because his car magically yeah. blows a tire. Um, yep. And then he's looking for his daughter, and just the the way that it's framed for every shot that he's looking, and you can feel he's getting more and more tense. And it's also the surroundings that he's got within that. It's really good. I mean, even to one point, I think that there's even like an upside down cross that's being uh, yes kind of yes. framed within this using the school and the school right. grounds to create that imagery to you too. I think that stuff is really good. But like you say, some of the tropes, the standard horror tropes that are used in this film. It, it detracts a little bit from it, but overall, or, or what it's I'm trying to, yeah, an entertaining or, experience. A very, I would yes, that's the that's a good word. Is it's, it's it is entertaining, but what I'm trying to say is it it flip flops between being a, a a a kind of a sort of a thriller, sort of a uh, um, sort of a horror movie. Though it is a horror movie, I'm just saying that in a thriller, it, when somebody gets shot twice, they're dead. Yeah. You no, know, they don't they don't get up. I mean, but within the, that's what I'm trying to say is like I'm taking away points because you know, if you wanted to make the cops believable, why do they always have to be, you know, like the country bumpkin, you know, small town, you know, Barney Fife. Though they weren't really Barney <laughs> Fife, they just was like a little bit they just weren't done in a professional way. Uh, though uh, again, if he would have got arrested in the house, there would be no move in the hotel. He would, there'd be no movie, but granted you got to suspend your disbelief. I'm just saying it flip flops between really, really logical. You know, the, the father's really upset. He's missing his daughter. What the fuck? I want to find my daughter. I'm nervous. And then the horror movie logic of I'm going to get shot, but then I'm going to be magically healed and I'm going to climb ladders and I'm going to bur- go, go through, you know, a, giant flaming room and save my daughter and you know that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that's where that's where i take the you know 6.5 7 but that's where I, I i i would give it like you know uh when roger ebert would be really confused thumbs up thumbs down thumbs uh-huh. in the middle thumbs three quarters you know <laughs> it's one of those because it's really really a 
a good movie on so many fronts, and then there's a few things that are glaring that you go, oh man, oh god, uh, you can't you you can't dismiss it, or you don't want to dismiss it, but and then you go, okay, then you flip back and you go, wow, this is a, this is a Netflix movie or a video straight to video movie. Usually these things are abysmal. Yeah. And, and it, so, it turns and, out to be so much better than you thought it was going yeah, to be. Yeah, and I, I never I never and I, I know a lot of people that's that uh, do podcasts and they go, I don't watch modern horror. And I was like, Well, you know, I'm gonna give this a chance. It's on Netflix, I'll watch it, you know. Um it it's like no harm, no foul. It wasn't like I had to drive exactly. to the theater. You didn't have to park, you didn't buy pop, you didn't it didn't cost me thirty dollars. You yeah. know, I watched it on Netflix. It was it was it wasn't overly long. You know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's got so many strong points, and I, I guess we, I guess we agree. It's it'll be like a seven or between a seven and an, and an eight. Yeah, it's really good, and you won't be, you won't be disappointed. It's just a few things, even though the CGI fire is cheesy. Um, you know, I guess out of the, the, like I said, we as we talked about the budgets, it's maybe he just said, you know what, it's probably it's only going to cost me two grand. To throw this CGI to fire this in instead of uh, yeah, actually instead light of the doing, stairs on fire. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta you gotta think of that kind of uh, what was realistic, and we don't know since it's, since we don't know, we're just grasping at straws. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. It's a uh, it's watchable. Watch it, uh, and then and then uh, tweet, um, uh, T Terror Podcast, and let let them let them know what you think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're kind of winding down here. So uh, before we do go, uh, there's one thing I like to do with my guests, and that's, uh, you know, plug anything that you got. Yes. Well, how about we do a quick little interview? Okay, we'll make it real short, and I'll explain about my new album that's out on Bandcamp now, robertchristopher.bandcamp.com. Uh, uh, I'll give you my social media Twitter at Rob Christopher um, Facebook is Rob Robert Christopher Musician I'm sure you'll put this all in the links in the, sh- in the show yep, notes it'll all be in the show notes okay there. and uh, I have Instagram at uh, Rob Christopher Music and I think that's about all my social media uh, yeah I I, um, I took some time off from making music and uh, I noticed that a lot of um, uh, people were making music and telling these stories, uh, you know, like in 18, so 1783, this lake overflowed and and the music didn't quite fit to what whatever story that inspired them. So I, I kind of purposely stayed away. I kind of like I always tell people like I create the soundtrack. You create the movie in your mind. Because it should be like that. It should breathe. It should have a life. Uh, it shouldn't be, you know, like a Gestapo. This is what this song is, and that's all it is. No, I would. I want it to be, you know, uh, more, more. De- I don't want to be de- defined. Or uh, like I said, and one, one person asked me. I said, you know, when I'm. Put, when I'm dead, you could put me in a box. I don't want to be in a box while I'm alive. You know, I want to be able to go, not to confuse the audience and say that oh, I'm going to be, you know, it's not like uh, Ozzy's going to all of a sudden be uh, a country artist. You know, <laughs> you're not going to pull uh, a Steven Tyler? 
No, I'm not going to pull a Steven Tyler. No. It's, it'll always have some element of that mm, over there, or trois, like they say in French, the other side. Um, but uh, the third album I released was called Aftermath. And I was wanted to see, but nobody ever asked the question. But people like the first two albums and the third album did pretty good for the, the times we're in. And I didn't want to define it. I wanted it to be uh, – I didn't have a strong idea. Or the only idea I had was the aftermath of what. I didn't want it to be – because we went through a lot of tragedies. We had a lot of um, – uh, what do you call it? Uh, tsunamis and mm -hmm. uh i don't want to say it was way past world trade center time but living in new york that's always in your head um that kind of stuff and i wanted to say okay i wanted it to be a non-definable um, event so it's the aftermath but i'm not telling you what the aftermath is it could be whatever you want it to be the aftermath of what the the, the end of the world uh is it uh, a media crashes into the earth? Is it is it an earthquake? Is it what? It could be. That's what I'm saying. I like to leave it uh, open instead of hardly defined. So, and then I when I wrote the pieces of music, I wanted it to be, you know, is it how long after the math? Is it the day after? You know, remember remember the the that uh, in the 80s. I don't know if you remember in the 80s they had this. Uh, they try to pull it off as real that this was the day after a nuclear war. No, that, that oh, must okay. be before me. Okay, it's before your time. Okay, in the in uh, the I'm, I'm an early kid. Well, I, I'm a kid of exactly 1980. So oh, okay, all right. So you you're you would have been a, li a little. Well, I wasn't that much older. So, uh, but you would be too little. You wouldn't remember. Uh, that happens with 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 uh my, my family members. It's if you're uh. Like if you're ten and your brother's like seven, you you remember watching it together. But I, I'm a few years older and he might be a few years younger, and he's like totally goes over his head. But I would have a clearer memory of it. But anyway, in that uh, they try to make that the, you know the, that was the the Cold War and Russia and the, you know and they they didn't give credits. It was like you you people believe almost like a War of the Worlds kind of thing. Mm. Uh, people be believed. Oh, wow! This is the, this is uh, a the after, after the nuclear war attack. So um, I had a little bit of that concept in mind, but nobody ever asked me, and nobody ever questioned it, and nobody ever thought of it. But when uh, last podcast I did with um, our friend, the Fear Merchant. See, I plug the good people. <laughs> I plug my friends. Uh. I, I explained to him that, uh, yeah, I was like, it's up to you to decide. It's your imagination to say, oh, is it the day after? Is it a week after? Is it years after? Is it is it science fiction? Is it did humans evolve? You know, it's I don't want to tell you the story, but that makes a good story. So uh, even though I didn't tell a story, this last one uh, called Mysterious Night, uh, I took some time off because I went through that phase of do I need this? Do I not need this? Do I like this pedal? Do I not like this pedal? Do I need this synthesizer? Do I not need this synthesizer? So kind of was in that like uh, turnover in the studio gear that I had and uh, real life stuff gets in the way. And um, so I was like looking for an idea and I really 
didn't have any ideas except that I thought at one time what I wanted to do was make a slasher movie, but uh, make an I'm sorry, make an imaginary slasher movie. But I couldn't get my hands on an Echoplex, a real Echoplex. I wanted to get that real 80s, make it really sound like a real 80s um, soundtrack. Hmm. And uh, I couldn't get my hands on what I wanted. And uh, I didn't have the time. And I was like, ah, whatever. And then the, kind of, the idea kind of faded. And I couldn't fu- – and I wanted to have the accurate 80s VHS tape looking art. I couldn't get that. And I was like, you know what? It's, if I don't have the art with the whole thing, it's just not going to work. So it it kind of fell through. And um, so I was just sitting there one day uh, – not sitting there one day. Sorry. I had a dream and I won't, I won't even call it a dream. You ever have a dream where you, it's just one image is in your brain and it's not, you know how dreams are weird. It's sometimes they're totally illogical, don't make sense, but they kind of run like a movie. And then sometimes you have a dream. It runs logical like a movie, but this for me was a dream, but it was just an image that what, that I remembered the next day. And so that image stuck in my head for some reason. Don't know why. Uh, I didn't watch anything. It was no artificial stimulus. It wasn't like a memory of a friend or anything like that. And then I sat there, and what I did was I um, sort of storyboarded with words. I got a I got a legal pad, and I got a pen, and I said, okay, I had that scene that was in my head, and I wrote it down. And then I put like number two and I wrote, this is going to happen. You know, instead of drawing it, Mm -hmm. I did it with with words. I would like, sometimes it would be like a a real simple sentence, like, um, you know, the moon, you know, moon is here or house is here or this is here, you know, uh, not really well-written Not like, uh, you know, uh, Brian goes out of his house and sees the moon, looks up. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was very... So Staccato. it was more like a, um, a roadmap than anything yeah. else. Yeah, it was like a – yeah, exactly. It turned out to be a roadmap but kind of like staccato sentences of just uh, like a like a, like a storyboard with words, put it that way. So, and I wrote – I got down – yeah, go ahead. Oh, so, so then the, the titles that you have based upon this, are they all interconnecting like that was – did they have something to do with those roadmaps? Yeah. So that, yes. that that's the story that's kind of being put in place together. Yes. Based upon the titles of your songs. Yes. On the, on the newest album, mysterious night that the, 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 it does each track equates to the, um, to the story. But I, the, after, um, uh, whatever I don't know. It's, it's I know it's not storyboarding because I'm not drawing. It's just a road. <laughs> just I just sat there and wrote with a with a, a notepad because I was like, okay, finally I have an idea and I'm gonna run with it. And I was like, okay, good, 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 good. Let's make this a story. Let's make this whatever because um, uh, I like to well try, attempt at writing, but the way things are going now, it's either you know you do uh you're gonna go with big publishing or you're going to go independent. And it seems like the independents are mixed up. I don't like the self publishing stuff because you're going to, you're just like one fish in a sea in an ocean of a a billion fish. You know, it's very hard to get recognized though. There are anomalies. I understand there are anomalies, but it seems to me like, you know, 
uh, it's it's too easy, you know. I at least with music, I know, I know. Okay, this is you know, this is too long. You know, I don't want to mm-hmm. have a twenty-five minute track. Maybe maybe cut this down to seven minutes or something like that, or maybe three minutes of this is good. Though some people, it's very weird. It's a lot of people like longer tracks for some reason. They like to be into it longer. Whereas I was like, no, I'm scoring the story this imaginary thing in my head that's the way i was, I was like scoring the story that i had and it, it does all equate to the to the story but um uh people then ask me did you publish a story i was like nope so i could i haven't found them i haven't found the market for it because what happens is a lot um not now but in the when i first tried and and as a newbie you know, you got to take your lumps. You're going to get rejected a lot. But it was at least there was magazines to get rejected from. Mm-hmm. But I started to climb that little bit where you know what you're doing more because some of the magazines were really cool in their rejection letters. Some were just blank <laughs> rejection letters, right? Some were just blank where you have no idea whether you did good, bad, or mm-hmm. you, did, you, did you swing and miss by a mile or are you really close? You don't know, but some of them were cool. They would put like have like four like things like not well written, um, not speculative enough, not dark enough, or whatever. Whatever it was, they had four things, and they would put check marks. So you would go, oh okay, uh, I I wasn't uh, strange enough. I wasn't uh, I didn't write it well enough, or whatever. At least it gave you an idea. And then uh, a few stories started to be like, oh, I I broke the top fifty. I got to the top twenty. You know, I started getting close, and then I was like, ah, I started to say, you know what? I could do the music by myself. That's what made me go switch back to music. Was the the uh, even though the 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 economy was horrendous, and um, uh, but at least I knew I could edit and uh, play the parts and do everything myself without having to uh, uh, go to the whims of an editor. No, mm-hmm. so I didn't. I didn't totally give up on the thing, but I just had a kind of. You reach the. I, I know a lot of writers will will laugh because you know you'll get your rejections, you'll get your fifty rejections, and they say you know get once you get to a hundred, then you're uh, then then you're like uh, you're a seasoned uh, veteran, like you know like you've uh, you've paid some dues, and um, and then there were guys that say, well, you know, I got rejections by the pound. <laughs> they got so many rejections they can weigh it so uh i reached that point where i was like you know it's not that i was aggravated but i was like i like different things i don't want to like i i told you i don't want to be I, I mean i'm i'm amenable to to how big corporations work i mean if they say you know just stick to this kind of thing i would say okay i can work within that parameter but let me don't put me in a fucking straitjacket in a coffin and lock me in a box and then tell me to be creative. You know, it's very hard to be creative if they don't let you spread your wings because you're basically doing the same thing everybody else is doing. And how do you stand out? So I kind of reached that point of, well, you know, I'm going to just uh, put this on the side for now. And when uh, I'm in a better state of mind uh, or in a more better writerly place, I'll go back to it. And so that's what it struck my memory was that that kind of came in and it all kind of gelled together where it's the music and 
the concept of this thing because uh, when it comes to stories, I'm not really big on sci-fi. I'm not really – it's not my forte. I'm, I wouldn't be good at it, you know. Uh, but some things that are like dark fantasy, sci-fi, like, um, you know, like a movie like Phantasm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you define that movie. Some people call it horror. Some people call it whatever. Like that would be something that I could do. That kind of like um, not a straight horror. And I, I read a lot of the books too at the time that were really – they were really bad. And and I talked to the company, the company – and I'm not going to mention the name of the company. Uh, I could tell from a mile away. I mean you could be Ray Charles and know that they were going out of business because I was like <laughs> this is just – this was just r- bad, bad, bad. This was like bad stuff. And I actually bought the books and read them. And I go, this is just, I mean, maybe, you know, like, you know, this stuff that you would have watched when you were 10 on a, on VHS, you know, but that you wouldn't want, you know, it's like perpetually 10 years old. I was like, this is just, <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. I was like, so I, you'd have to. weird genre of like horror fantasy that anybody could kind of write and, and put out there right, yeah. and publish I mean, I, themselves on a Kindle ebook or somewhere or something like that. Oh, right. I, I don't want to knock the Kindle people. Cause I'm sure that there's well, no. a lot of people that right that. There's a lot of people that try hard and they, and they do uh, hire an editor. And if you're going to do, you, you know, it's, I guess if you're older and you don't have the time or maybe if you're like a retired and you feel like, Hey, you know, I'm 60 something years old, this may never happen for me. That's an option. I'm not. I'm not knocking no, it. No, no, it's, it's not bad. But uh, you, you do get a lot of people that just publish random yeah, they just things. Pop, yeah, I'm they not just, saying that somebody that has taken their time and really put their love and energy into it. Yep. And then you got those people that make Twilight fan fiction that turns yes. into another series. Oh, yes. uh, of crap. Yes. You know. Yeah, those I mean, those are the people that I'm talking about. Yeah, I agree. That's what, that's what I was just gonna say. Those those people, I I can't. Those people that you know write a book every three weeks and then put and put it on there. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what makes you think that I'm going to dig through it. I mean, in fact, I listened to I, the fear merchant had a, had a writer on and he was like, um, he, he mentioned that, uh, Oh, he, he actually, uh, he, he asked him the question, is it easier or harder now? And I say it's harder because you got so many people doing it that even if you're good, who wants to look, you know what I'm saying? Like who? Like if I said go to uh, go watch a movie, go find something you like, and and not have no defining terms, do you want to dig through thousands and thousands of titles to hope that you find something good? I don't think so. I think it's to me it's harder. I mean, I mean you get published, but who finds you? Yeah. You know, or or the people do this. They 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 load up on the 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 books. Like a lot of people give it away for free, or they do it for ninety nine cents, and then. There's no um, – because they have so much room on their Kindle. They might have 50, 60, 80, 100 books. They may never read your book. Mm-hmm. Or or they might read – let's say they have the – let's say Stephen King puts out a book or uh, Michael Connelly puts out a book or whatever. If you like the, if you like the Twilight Girl or if you like uh, – uh, what's her face? Um, Harry Potter. She did With a – J.K. She, Rowling. Yeah, J.K. Rowling. I mean she – but she did a book that wasn't – I think it was something. It was made into a movie too. It was the other side of the uh, Harry Potter world. Oh, are you talking about the Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, is that franchise? it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not big into that, so I, I'm not familiar with it. So you know, if you know, you're going to read your your name, your big famous name authors, and then 
you might forget, oh, wow, uh, Robert Christopher put out a, b- a book on Kindle that I saved four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I saved it four years ago now. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah, have well, you ever done that? It, it's Don't the you- same thing with with I, we were talking about music in terms of SoundCloud and, and even with yep. podcasts in general. There are a ton of these things out yes. there. And it, it's hard to differentiate yourself. And a lot of people feel like they're going to, you know, say, hit it big right away. Here's a podcast. So we got a great idea. You can have a great idea. You can have a great podcast. You can do everything right. But right. for some reason, you can't find an audience because there are 50 other ones that do it. Or there's a thousand other ones that do the exact same thing that you do. Even though you're unique and maybe you're a little different than everybody else, people may be burnt out on the whole subject. I don't want yeah. to look at yep. movie reviews. I don't want to hear about books. And it's the same yep. thing. When it comes to, you know, music is a much different beast than it was back, you know, in the 90s even, uh, yep. you know. Or even early 2000s. Early still, 2000s, still CDs, a lot different. Yeah, CDs were still, I mean, they were down drastically, but people were still selling CDs. Oh, yeah. Or even like, even the Metallica album, but what was it, between uh, the latest one and the Death Magnetic, I forget, what's the name of the newest one? The newest one is, oh, fucking A. Yeah, I know, uh, I forget. Hardwired so to self-destruct. Hardwired to self-destruct, yeah. Even in between those two albums, Metallica is selling less CDs, not because Metallica is falling apart, because less people are buying CDs. Well, yeah. The world, the... the world has changed to streaming. Yeah, well, the and... world of streaming and the world of singles. Like yes. we, we've gone from the world of singles. We went from the world of albums to the world of singles to the world of streaming. So you, you had a, a phase where it's going to die. Yeah. The, stream, it, the streaming I, the, eventually, not eventually. I just don't, I just don't think, I don't know how, if people can't make any money, let's say whatever it is, if you make no money or like, uh, to me, I think the, uh, the, the distributors, those the middlemen, uh, get, you know, let's say I got to pay $50 to join. I'm not going to mention the, the distributors. You know who they are. Uh, I got to pay $50 to join your site. I got to pay $50 to load my album. I might have had to spend a couple hundred dollars in art. I might have spent, you know, you know, there's some cost, even if you're going the bare bottom minimum that you may not even recoup. You know, yeah. so to me, if the people if you can never make a penny, if you can't make something in return. Now I'm saying, and I'm, and trust me, I'm not saying the days of MTV Cribs are way over. <laughs> I mean, unless if you're Ariana Grande, if you're one of the the chosen few where the the label is going to push you to the moon and put you on TV, but even Lady Gaga now is, I think, is she's, I don't know how much Gaga and how much Lady she wants to do because she's a little older, you know. Maybe she doesn't want to do so much Gaga. Maybe she wants to do more, you know. Maybe she wants to grow up and be more mature. I, I don't know. Maybe she wants stuck. to revert to being Stephanie once again. Yeah, she wants to be Stephanie once in a while. But I don't know. Maybe the managers, the 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 her manager says, you know what, uh, this works. You know, this. Uh, did you watch the documentary that she did? No, it's one of the ones I, I wanted did. to see. The one that was on Netflix, right? Yes, watch it. You'll see that. I'm like, wow. She. Well, just watch it, and then uh, you'll we'll talk about it on Twitter or whatever. But in my case, uh. Yeah, the uh, the whole Kindle thing was like I'm not totally against it, but uh, you know, but then like if you are a success, I think Kindle owns your movie rights. It's it's almost like you get published, but what do you really accomplish? Who finds you? Mm-hmm. Uh, though I know I know a lot of people say a lot of people will read digitally or, or on an e-reader or on their iPad more than they will a paper book, but I kind of. 
I don't know. I still like my paper books. I got. I have a Kindle. <laughs> I don't think I've ever read anything on a Kindle. I, I I think I read one thing, and I was like, you know what? I don't. I really don't. And it, I jumped on the bandwagon early, and then I was like, you know, the stuff that I like is is still in paper. So I kind of like want to support the paper people, and um, and like you said, there's like people pumping it out, pumping it out, pumping it out. Oh, and yeah. I started, to, I started to see this trend of. I mean, literally, people writing books in three weeks, every three weeks, and they have 50, 60. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care. They started – it became this whole trend of 99 cents. And I started to say, you first of all, number one, that makes you look desperate. Number two, I don't care if it's free. I'm not wasting my time. I don't want to read your crappy book. Not that I'm saying that they're all crappy, but I don't want to have to dig through 30 or 40 crappy books to find one good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some name authors that I I bought, I would – and this is goes to show you that I, not that I'm knocking anybody or that I'm uh, ne- being negative. I mean I'll go so far as uh, – there was an author that wrote a book about a um, – a hitman or something like that. I forget. To be honest with you, I read ten pages. I bought all. I thought the. I thought this book would be awesome, and I bought the first three books in paperback. They were so clean, spotlessly clean. I could have brought them back to the bookstore, but I just threw them away because I couldn't <laughs> give them away. Believe it or not, my my local library would not take them. Oh man. Yeah, so I couldn't even give them away. So I was like, what am I going to do with them? I said, this is just taking up space. I'm never. I read twenty pages. I said, this is. I don't. It's not catching me. I don't like it. It's a lot of nothing. And then when and then when I heard of the author talking about how he had to rewrite the book eight times, I was like, Yeah, you should have moved on because there's really no, there's no story here. It's a whole lot of fluff, wet in the garbage. The uh, movie with Ben Affleck uh, a couple of years ago and that girl on the train. Oh, uh, Gone Girl. Gone Girl. That's it. Bought all three of the books. I'm thinking, Yes, finally. We're getting away from the freaking glowing vampires and the uh, this uh, sissy crying pandering stuff that's happening in books with all of this, you know, uh, older authors trying to pander to a younger audience. No, just write your book. If it comes from your own passion, it will it will find its own audience. But when you try to, you know, put the square peg through the round hole, I think that's very hard to do. Anyway, bought the book and I said, okay, I read 10 pages. I said, I can't, I can't get through it. Tried again, tried again, tried again. I got to like 60 pages and I said, no, these are these people that have their masters in fine arts. And I have my own little quote for MFA uh, and use your imagination. I won't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Think with MFA and use the dirty words. Okay. That's what I call them because they're in love with writing the form. They're in mm-hmm. love with the form. They're not in love with the story. It's like you're in music. You see people that want to be famous, J-Lo, those types. They don't love music. They love being in front of the camera. They like making music videos, but they don't love their instrument. They don't love making music. Like I played guitar before there was YouTube. I'll play guitar after there's YouTube. You know what I'm saying? I've been playing guitar that long that I've I it's something that I could do. You could put me in a rubber room, I could play the guitar and I will be happy. Cuz I love it. It's my passion. It's something that 
brings me joy. Whereas these other people, it doesn't bring them joy. But anyway, I tried to read that book. I could not read it. I wanted – I'm sorry. I forget the name's <laughs> author. What's her name? Even my mother went to the movie with her lady – her girlfriend. Not a lady friend. Girlfriend. They're not lovers. Please. <laughs> I, I know. It sounds please, weird now. Please don't put those together. Uh, I know. Please, God. Now, I, I mean, I, really, you almost – in this day and age, you, you can't say ladies and gentlemen anymore. It's like, really, it's just – Please, it's ladies and gentlemen, even if you're transgendered. Uh, she went to the movie and she came back and she said, oh, I watched this movie and she couldn't – she didn't even remember the title. She says it, it was awfully long the first hour was really – and it was a long movie. It was like two hours and 40 minutes. And I said, oh, that's – I said, I try to read that book. I said – it, and I, then I watched the movie because it – reached on demand finally mm-hmm. and i watched it and i was like wow this was long as a movie i can only imagine how much more i would have had to read in the book before it got good <laughs> you know what i'm saying it did it there is something to the story the story is good it got good but man you could somebody please it's like please please edit your shit because Oh, yeah. No. I read so many books or have read so many books. Because somebody asked me, how many books do you read? I said, now I, I'm, at, I'm at the level of I, I, if I don't like it, I'm not even going to buy it. I'm not even going to get it. I'm just <clears> not going to. I got other things that I want to accomplish with my own life. I'm not going to waste the time on something. I'm not going to plow through 600 pages just to say that I plowed through the 600 pages. But please, if you got 150 pages of story – Make it 300 page book, you know, make the, you know, keep it within the limitations of what it should be. Don't take a 150 page story and blow it up into 600 pages of nothing. Uh, that was nothing always happens. my complaint. I don't know if you've ever read any Robert Jordan in his wheel of time series where no. his books got to the point where uh, you could read the first hundred pages and then the last hundred pages and you'd be fine because in the middle, nothing really happened. Like it was a thousand page book and you're like, wow, you know, well, it, it probably was a little short, but it felt like it was a thousand pages. Probably, and, yeah. and the first I, I stopped reading those books after the third one, just because it already had started getting to that formula. And a friend of mine, he he's read all of them. And even he's just like, I, I don't know how I do. I just want to know what happens with these characters. And sadly, right. he passed away before the last book can be oh, completed. Sorry. But his Sorry. his son and his wife, uh, they were able to piece together the the story, and his son basically ghost wrote it for him, uh, so that the book the series could be finished. You know, a lot oh, of oh I thought are, you meant, I thought you meant your friend. No, no, not my friend. No, no, oh, no. The no author, talk about Robert okay. Jordan, the author. Oh, Robert Jordan. Okay, uh, okay. But yeah, no, they pieced together everything so they could finish the books. But that's you know that's also the joke about George R. R. Martin that he's going to die before, and this was way before they even did the whole Game of Thrones TV thing and everything like that. But that he was going to die before his books even were finished. And oh, really? the way that he does his stuff, man, he takes forever from book to book. And I know he sits on like a, a DOS computer. Like not even Word. It's DOS prompt. And oh, he types wow. everything out slowly. So it, it's it, – it, but it's one of those things where you, you could – in some aspects, and, and you can relate it back to film where, you know, you could – take your time with the way the film moves and the pacing and, and everything goes, or you could cut out a lot of that trim, a lot of that fat out of there uh, to get your film to a nice one hour and 30 running minute time yeah. and still get everything that you need. The same thing with, with music. And one of the interesting things that you had said earlier 
was like you're saying that some people like really long songs and and you know you like to keep them and i noticed that some of your tracks they're split into like one song split into three is that because you have like it's a change of mood between them instead of just keeping them one say long track or right is it because it's a a different you know you feel like the story changes within that song and in in painting it's called a triptych okay and i had that always had that concept in my head a triptych and uh Sometimes I I'll do that just because I want to break up the track. It it seems like um there's a movement in the track. You know, it's sort of like it has this uh maybe a melancholy quality in the beginning, the middle is a little drony and at the end is might be a little creepy. So, and le- for me, I figured, you know, why not break it up so that the, it's uh it's got its own individual chance because people that like the creepy part might not want to listen for seven minutes to get to that creepy part mm-hmm. also i know there was another musician and he was a, he kind of like and, and i'm not that harsh i don't want to be that uh i might give off that vibe of i don't give a fuck but it's not it's not really like that it's more of like i've only got so much patience and there's only so much time in life that you <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like yeah that's no, what i, I mean that. and he had that kind of like i don't give a fuck and he would name you know like he would come up with a title and he would call it like rainbow blood one rainbow blood two rainbow blood three damn i can't think of his name uh but he'll ha- he, he would do that for a whole album you know like one two like you know a title one two three a title one two three a title mm-hmm. one two three and then maybe two titles on their own and then another title one two three don't ask me why but i saw that and i said you know what it fit with my triptych idea concept that i had in my head and i said you know why not do that why not break it up every once in a while because i um to get back to the writing uh i started to get and it's it happens it, it's called, i forget what the what readers the faithful reader it's like the law of diminishing returns the more you read the more you get to know the author the more you get to know their ticks and you know mm-hmm. what they do and and um and there's a couple of guys i mean uh i don't know if you want me to mention them but i i better not so i <laughs> won't mention them but i i their name authors and you get to i'm like man you got a great 300 maybe 400 page book and i don't mind a little bit of fluff but there's sometimes where the book is you know 200 page. There was one book I read. 200 pages. I'm ripping through it. It's like it's like a fucking movie. I'm totally into it. Totally immersed. And then for 300 pages, it's nothing but him checking his voicemail, getting a drink, <laughs> taking a piss, reading his email, checking his voicemail, then back to sitting at the desk, taking. The- I was like, literally nothing. Literally nothing. So that's what I'm trying to say. Is like. Um, I, tr- I for me that doesn't always work with the audience because I'm gonna now test that out myself with the next w- release that I put out is to p- make it longer and stick with a longer theme like there'll mm. be maybe six to ten minutes and maybe five tracks of that or maybe have you know if it's four minutes fifty seconds leave it at that but if it's longer let it be instead of because I've had I had written longer tracks. Then I cut them down because I said, who wants to listen to this for 20 minutes? And then people said to me, me, I would like to listen to it for 20 minutes. I guess <laughs> I, I guess, like I said, you know, when I say it's the soundtrack 
I supply the soundtrack and you supply the imagination. Mm. Sometimes people just want to put something on and they don't want to use any imagination. They want to vacuum. They, I, I've heard people, uh, I, I sent you the link. One guy put it in his, uh, short film. That track's yeah. been in a lot of short films on YouTube. Uh, some people like to, uh, they like to paint to it or they like to do whatever they, if they like to do puzzles or whatever it is that they like to do, that could be like the background, you know what I'm saying? Sort of like like not really like Muzak in an elevator, no. but sort of, it's, sort it's of kind like of it's like sometimes I like to put on King Crimson and do stuff. Right? Yeah. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it's not. Thing. It's not a a thing that uh, I'm saying. It's just it's noise in the background. But like when it comes to music with say you know words and lyrics and stuff like that, I tend to get distracted by listening to that. But I can say the same thing for certain podcasts too. There are podcasts that I'll put on in the background just to have something going on. I like the podcast, I like everything about it, but sometimes the mood just fits right that, hey, I'm going to catch up on some episodes and this is the one that I'm going to listen to uh, right, while yeah. I vacuum or while I clean dishes yes, or while, while you I do the dishes. play dog right, or, yeah. you know, or whatever's going a, on. Yeah, or, or, or uh, doing the laundry, you go back and forth and wait when, the, when, the, when it's, uh, the clothes are washed and then – you could uh, uh, listen for you know you know that the podcast is whatever how many minutes oh okay yeah. great that's the perfect time I know at the twenty minute mark I got to get up yep. take the clothes out of the wash machine put it in the dryer go back to the podcast that kind of thing um, yeah uh, that's what people have said they 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 were and I'm not exclusively stuck in the electronic uh, uh, I could call it a million things because I don't like to label it because. Um, I worked in a club once where I met, uh, African American man, young guy. We were both young. I don't know. Trying to be politically correct. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to, if you say black, I don't know. It's like, you say anything yeah. now. You, you're, I, you yeah, know, yeah. I'm, I'm one of those guys, if, you know, with, with my podcast, I try to every now and then, you know, I, I honestly just feel like you just kind of need to say what you need to say. And yeah, you just, yeah just, he's black. He was, he did and it was not, there's nothing racial, but no, exactly. it was so, it was so funny. We're both dressed up because you had to be dressed up in this club. We're both dressed up. We're both dancing with very pretty Spanish girls. And we, then we switched and the other girl was a way better dancer than the other girl. And I was like, well, I can't keep my, I'm white. I, my hips can't move like you. <laughs> okay. Give me the other girl back. We could slow dance. And when we were done, we had like you know it was like before you know because when you're at the when you're at the club, the the people at the club, they're gonna stay for an hour, drink or dance for a little bit, and then they're gonna leave. But you're gonna be there all night, so it was you know, it was before the club opened, and so the girl had to go back to coat check. The other girl was I don't know what she was a bot maid or bartender. It was cool to make friends because she always hooked she hooked me up with bottles of water because. Massively hot. There's nothing worth worse than being in a club with five thousand people. Maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe three thousand people, and it's like you know, it's like being at a concert. You know. Well, yeah, and, and then they're uh, charging you fifteen dollars for that bottle oh, of water. Oh, like the Ozfest, <laughs> the eight dollars for water. Yeah. No, she gave me those big bottles. I forget the name of the brand, but I was getting the big bottles of water. Super cool. Which is like a really nice experience. Go through the whole night, and and I'm just. Not thinking like I'm like I don't really fit in because I'm like uh, I'm like the rock and roll guy and I got nobody you know I'm like not that I hated dance music I I, I like pop music I grew up in I listened to disco in the seventies I went I went to block parties and they people played all kinds of music and you know you listen to whatever's on the radio with your parents and you know I'm in, I'm in I'm in a big city so I'm exposed to so much mm-hmm. that I I couldn't I couldn't block it out you know. Uh, even country music, 
we had a country music channel and I heard some of that, even though it wasn't the stuff that's like really like is my passion. But you got to admit that some of like Vince Gill and some of those guitar plays are amazing guitar plays. Oh, oh yeah. So it's, it's not my, my thing. But, but you got to give them respect. Oh, of course. I mean, I'm kind of like a, the only area of country I really touch is like honky tonk, like old school, yeah. like that. But yeah. uh, I, I understand a lot of those guys. I mean, it's with any musician, really. There's respect in in the crafts that they make, even if it's not necessarily your thing, unless it's all fabricated in some way or shape. Or oh form. well, well, if you're yeah, it, it, the 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 modern, you know, with the, yeah. all the auto tune and the yeah, yeah, to yeah. me that's that's just junk. Well, it's I mean, if you can make money, see, this is the thing that makes me. Like I like I say, I don't want to be the grumpy old man, but <laughs> I, it's like I'm fun because you know those those 70s artists, they didn't really like MTV, and and we can no. go on a whole tangent with the with MTV, but they were still musicians, and so the pop music you got from like even Prince and Michael Jackson, even Madonna, you know, as much as she's just a lip syncer, and you know what I'm saying, she. Well, yeah, it, it's she, still she, there's still some craft in what she. There's does still with some it. craft, but today's artists, it's like nothing. It's like so. Let me get on my knees to the label, please hi- hire the best songwriters, which there there aren't anymore. It's diminished. Yeah. But back to my point, what I wanted to say about the black guy was that after the whole night. You know, all of this very it's it was a Latin club, so it was a lot of Latin music. Uh we're sitting there drinking water, waiting for our pay, and you know what he liked? He loved heavy metal. <laughs> we talked about Black Sabbath, Ronnie James Dio, Ozzy. He said he would go to this rock club, he was the only black guy in the rock club. And I was like, Wow, this is I me- I remember that so much that when I did my music when I started to do it, I said, I never want to be that it couldn't be for a black guy, an uh, mm-hmm. Asian woman, anybody. Not that, not that, see, see, some people got the wrong concept that they think that, oh, my music's for everybody. No, I don't, I don't believe my music's for everybody. What I'm trying to say is it, I'm not aiming for one small niche demographic. I like to think that it's accessible enough for everybody now it might not be for little kids i don't really do that like the like in the the movie we just reviewed Mm -hmm. uh where there's the 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 uh chanting uh uh, uh, moaning kind of you know with the droning guitars i don't do any of i have no chanting uh i'm also not a big i know that there's guys that do it really really well so I never wanted to go down that path of putting samples in. Mm-hmm. If anything, if anything, I'll sample myself and put it in, but I won't use other samples because I never know what the clearance is, and I don't want to even be, you know, I don't want to get like, uh, I don't even want to get go down that path of, you know, samples because I know uh, this guy uh, DJ AM or yeah. DJ somebody else. I forget. Well, he a made a bunch. whole. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole bunch. Yeah, there's one. One of them made an album with. Oh, all samples. It was all samples from beginning to end. So I kind of feel like, well, somebody's already done that and done it so much better that I'm going to be like, you know what? Let me not even let me not even touch that that, you know, that area. What I wanted to do was I realized I said, you know what? Let me go back to my strengths, because what a lot of people don't realize is knowing your weaknesses is a tremendous strength. If you can't sing. Don't sing. Mm-hmm. If you cannot play the drums, don't play the drums. So that's what I started to go. I said, you know what? I'm a guitar player. 
I'm play bass, which is somewhat the same thing, but you got to think differently. Yeah. You know, you're going to play the bass. You got to know that you're laying down the rhythm. You got to lay in the, sit in the pocket with the drums, blah, blah, blah. I could play the trumpet. I could play, do this. I could do a major scale and a, quite a few other things. And, you know, maybe make a little bit of noise with the, with a viola. I'd love to have a, uh, a, um, a cello. It seems that a lot of the movies now, if, if you watch the, uh, did you do? Did you review uh, a dark song yet? No. Oh well, if that's the next thing you do, you'll hear a lot of ch- very good score in that film. A lot of good, sh- strong acting. Not a lot of visuals until the end. It gets. It's you know. It's uh. It was it was good. It's another one like the like a Devil's Candy where you go. Uh, this is, uh, what do you say? Cause there's some s- slower parts where there's more acting, but some people might appreciate the more acting, the dialogue instead of the, just the, you know, crazy, you know, crazy visuals of blood and guts and everything like that. Yeah. So something so that, like a more of a compliment with the, the, the visuals and stuff is more a compliment to the music than the music is a compliment to the film. Right. Right. So that's the way I, I always, uh, I always looked, I looked at my, Music is to be okay. Um, let me not be too. Uh, I don't. I didn't want to be death metal demonic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Uh, to me, it's that's not, was never my cup of tea. Though I understand. I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying for what works for me is that I know this is not going to be. It's not mainstream. I'm not going to be Justin Bieber. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a 15 year old girl. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, where do I fit? Because you, I'm a little older. Um, you know, uh, what, what music is today is a lot of machines Mm -hmm. and I go, I go, man, I don't like this at all. This is just, you know, I don't, I just, I don't hate, but it's just, I I just have to take a pass because I really, at some point, when do you say to yourself, okay, you know, I'm whatever, 35, I cannot, I should be past Justin Bieber. I should be past Selena Gomez. I mean, really, who am I supposed to listen to? When I grew up with, you know, Zeppelin, Sabbath, Ozzy, Dio, uh, I mean, a million soundtracks, a million, I mean, even pop music. I mean, uh, Culture Club, uh, Donna Summer. I mean, I can name you a million artists. And then in the 90s, uh, you know, Soundgarden, from Soundgarden to, you know, Aphex Twin and Boards of Canada. I mean, I have a lot, a lot of influences. I'm not so locked into the you know john carpenter it's just have to be a horror movie soundtrack <laughs> it just thing. has to be this specific thing and yeah i'm not going. i'm not i know i know some guys like to be like you know okay i'm gonna aim for this market and do that and that's good i'm not that's not a bad thing i'm just saying for me i like to say yeah i i watch those films and i'm influenced by them and that might be what comes out of me you know uh well after I- doing I would say I don't, I don't mean to cut you short, but we're kind yep. of running at the end of this. Yep, uh, I'm going to wrap here. it up. Real, I'm going to wrap it up in <laughs> two minutes. I promise. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, uh, I, uh, yeah. See, now you threw me off because Sorry. you were going to wrap. I was going to wrap it up for you, and then you wrapped wrap me. <laughs> I up. was trying to wrap you up at the same in time. In closing, <laughs> I am not just a synth guy. I'm not just a that guy. I'm not just a, I. I appreciate all the aspects of the of the of of music. It just what tickles you. If you like it, then don't be ashamed to say you like it. You know, if it's if it's whatever it is, 
if you like it, just and and I do it from my heart. I it's my passion. So um, it's not, uh, and I'm not. There's no MTV Cribs, and I'm not rolling in dough. So <laughs> now you plug me a little. You say you listened to my music and you liked it. <laughs> yes, uh, actually, we are going to play a track uh, at the end of this. Uh, we're going to play uh, "Dangerous Encounter." That's from your "Mysterious Night" uh, yep. album. That's most recent. Also, you should check out the horror short. It's called "Plucked." Uh, if I remember that correctly, yep. Uh, yep. You can check that out. That also, like we said before, will be in the show notes. Um, and uh, is there anything else that I'm forgetting that uh, you may want to uh, plug as well? I know you are on with the Fair Merchant. You can check out that extensive in- interview as well. Um, and uh, he's, you know, he's a good friend of the podcast uh, and a good guy and a friend of us both. Yes, um, really cool guy. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very interested in going more in depth into your music, especially with Mysterious Night, because uh, I'm a big fan of like story type albums. Um, you know, one of uh, my favorite bands is uh, Coheed and Cambria, which is all sci fi rock. Uh, and every album is one connected storyline between the two of them. And they actually kind of started in the, well, I'd say, semi beginning with their first album. And then. Uh, really? They, they did, yeah. They with a second stage turbine blade. It starts right when uh, the the character of Coheed kind of becomes the monster that it sends the trickle down effect with his children um, uh, in through multiple albums, and then they actually came back to like the prequel to that, where it starts off and how they kind of get sent down that path, um, and then they did another one that was like in the universe before how the whole universe kind of came together. And something and called were the they, keyword. Oh, were they very successful with successive? Yes. Um. Oh, they were. They they still are. They are still active oh. as as we speak right now. They no, started... but I'm saying I'm saying uh, I don't mean to always talk oh. about money, but uh, no, no. Did the, the the sales wise? I mean, because you it, you know usually like I know Kiss died when they did the Elder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pink Floyd was. I mean, he just came off doing the Pink Floyd, so the producer was like, "Hey, let's do a let's do a." Uh, concept album and uh, it works for somebody and then it may not work for everybody but I've never uh, I've never heard of anybody doing uh, successive like in a row what is it did you say three albums in a row no uh, they have jeez uh, it's seven in total and they're so all concept albums they're all concept albums of wow. one, one giant story and it's actually been turned into a comic book series as well because uh, the, wow. guy, the guy um, Claudio Sanchez he's a big comic book nerd as well yeah uh, and he he actually has a comic book publishing company now called evil inc uh and oh, wow. uh yeah they started off being kind of like in that emo genre and they actually yes. progressed to like progressive rock instead yes, uh because so, that's what i was gonna i was just gonna say when i first heard of them i kind of they didn't i i heard the name i didn't dislike it but then i kind of forgot about it and mm-hmm. then i got this um batman soundtrack they did a game yeah, or they uh, they lent a song to the soundtrack, and to it was so unbelievable that this uh, Batman, I think it was Batman Two, I think soundtrack. It, yeah, it was the second one, or it was uh, Arkham Knight, or, or yeah, it wasn't Arkham, numbered. It, it was Arkham City, I think, is yeah, the one they did City, it for. Yeah, and I I was like, wow, this is really good. I really like it. But no, no, it was no. It um, what troubled me about this about that album was that these. All of those bands were all over the world. Like one was in California. Uh, I think Coheed and Cambria were up in upstate New York. Yep. Um, a few bands were overseas, and 
somehow this is what I don't like about the Pro Tools is that <laughs> and, I mean these people were different times, different times of the year. The the audio engineer made it seem like as if these guys were all in California all in the same day and got it recorded all in one shot. Nothing like you got no difference in room. You got no it sounds like it's so cohesive that I was like, so why are you telling me, you know, like if you look in the liner notes, it says, you know, recorded in September in upstate New York, recorded in November in, you know, uh, North Carolina, recorded here, recorded there. I was like, wow, this this is recorded all over the world. And you made it sound like a cohesive. Yeah, like, that it was just in the same room. Yeah, it sounded like it was all in the same room. I yeah. was like, don't you want something – to me, isn't – I don't know. I don't know how you feel about music, but don't you want variety? That's why I say when I when when I say I like the Black Sabbath concept, I don't mean mm-hmm. just the heaviness. I mean that Black Sabbath will do something like Children of the Grave and then do something like a, a, a ballad uh, – uh, um, oh, what's the thing again? Uh, what's the piano ballad? Oh, I've uh, forget the piano ballad. But I mean, out of my head right now. Yeah, but me too. I mean, I mean, they could go from totally heavy. That's that's what I'm saying when I when I say Black Sabbath. I mean, they could do uh, a, a song about death and destruction, war, and then do something about something. Uh, write a beautiful acoustic instrumental, and then write a a really you know spaced out ballad about lovers uh, traveling the universe, and then go right into like. A crazy song like a heavy song like Iron Man, yeah, or War Pigs, or you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, talk about pot, sweet leaf, and you know what I'm saying. <laughs> that, like, no, it's that's, like that's the way that I limited. feel when it yeah. comes to music and the artists that I still like are the artists that constantly try to evolve themselves and even, and try to do something different with each. Like I, the, the reason I like them is because it's everything's a different type of concept and and the music has changed. Quite a bit. There's a couple. They've tried a couple different things. Uh, one of the producers that they used for, um, oh God, I don't know why the name of the album escapes me. Oh, it's Year okay. the Black Rainbow. Uh, okay. That one is very, especially with the drummer. They've had the drummer from the Dillinger Escape Plan uh, right. to play the drums on that one. And that one, it is very more like that style. It's it's a lot more produced. You, the drums are a lot heavier and more up front yeah. compared to everything else that's been done because he is such a technical drummer, but they're not necessarily that type of band. So the ones that where he's kind of held back and, and it's kind of let more like, say, the ballady type stuff, that stuff is stronger on the album than, say, a song like they have on there called Guns of Summer, which is such a technical drum song that it is a little overbearing it's a it's a great song uh actually no sorry it's not maybe it's on that album uh yeah it is uh and that one it's just so even it has like electronica type of drum beat to it that you just oh god it's it's a little it's weird for their sound a little overbearing but it it actually still makes the album diverse enough to where it fits within them. And, well, it, and even them, right. they broke off for one yeah. album that is not concept. It's just a straightforward album. And that one, it's uh, a little slower, a little bit more turned down in terms of uh, of what they normally play. But yeah, I, would, I, I just came up with the title. It's Changes. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, that's – but I'm not I – don't, I don't mean even change from album to album. I'm saying within an album, oh, no. you know, you could go from uh, – uh, uh, a detuned guitar, heavy, crazy, you know, lyric song 
then to a, a piano ballad, then to a, a, an acoustic guitar instrumental, then to a mid-tempo, then to you know what I'm saying? That's what yeah. I mean by that I, concept. I, I like, don't, you, not you I don't want going with like uh, an, a band that I can say that's the opposite of what you're talking about is Meshuggah. Right, Meshuggah, those guys, they're metal, they're technical, but when you listen to an album, you don't it's know where it ends and stops. Right, like, or, it, it's or, one, it's how, one fucking song, but it's cut into yeah. thirteen different parts. Right, but they're all <laughs> yeah. the same. Right, or like, or, or people say Cannibal Corpse, and I'm like, yeah, but it's Cannibal Corpse. What's the difference between the first album and the fifth album? It's, yeah. To me, it's it's the same. Where I'm saying is like, even within the album, you don't want. Iron Man 10 times. You don't exactly. want Crazy Train 10 times. Or you don't want, like even Led Zeppelin, you don't want Stairway to Heaven three times. It's already epic. Now they got to do something different. They got to do maybe a, a rock, a, a up-tempo happy rock song or maybe a slow-tempo uh, acoustic ballad. You yeah. know, I that's the, that's the concept that I like is like, and I try to apply that to the electronic stuff, but it seems that the that what the the how I misjudge the genre a little is the uh, is the length that that something short and sweet it it doesn't work as well as um, something that's longer because I think people like to listen on repeat or mm-hmm. listen to listen longer. Uh, but we should wrap up. <laughs> I don't want to keep going. You wanted I wanted to wrap up for you, but you no, you brought up brought Coheed up something and else. Yeah, I know. Yeah, go with that. But again, so uh, you can check out the short film Plucked is available on YouTube. It's robertchristopher.bandcamp.com for all of your music um, that you have out there. The newest album, oh, Mysterious and, Night. Could, oh, I forgot. I plugged my own YouTube page. It's Rob Christopher Music One. There you go. Okay. Uh, the Plucked is uh, a different podcast had uh asked me for, for the music so that they could put it in their short film that's why i mentioned that to you yeah it will like, still be yeah. something interesting to watch yeah, and uh, watch yes they check might it like out and see how your music was used within uh, a horror yep. film especially uh, when it wasn't scored to film they just took the track <laughs> and put it in we'll see no seriously that's what i'm saying it's like uh the other band i think wrote the track for this the movie and mine was just the track that they put in which is different because if you're scoring the film, obviously it's a different, totally different. Like if oh, I'm yeah. looking at a scene that's, uh, you know, uh, it's slow or there's nothing happening or it's uh, whatever it is. If it's, uh, you know, end of the day, melancholy. So you got to got you got to come up with a melancholy feel. Whereas if it's action, it's got to be bu- 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 you got to have some up tempo beats going on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm, I just wanted to let them know that I didn't write that track. That's an old track from the first album that I did. Uh, and they just put, they liked it and they put it in their movie. It's a short, it's very short. It's only three minutes, but it's, it was, for what they did is pretty good. You know, I was surprised. So it's worth checking out then. It's worth checking out. There was one short film. I wish the guy didn't pull it off YouTube. I was like, wow, this guy was a totally, I don't know how he caught the sun. He must've, you know, cause when you catch, um, uh, what is it? Dusk and dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't last very long, you know. It's like if you shoot too long, it goes. It's 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 no longer dusk. It's night. Yeah, sun is already set. But this guy caught the sun every. I was like, wow, dude, you did a good job. And then I could never find because people would say, you know, what has your music been in? Because I I said, well, I didn't do anything professional with it because I was never. I never did. I never wanted to. Uh, you know, I never wanted to deal with that yet because it. it as much as people want to get it, you know, 
realize that there's no money in selling records anymore. They all think that they're going to make money in uh, scoring films. And then I could tell you a bunch of horror stories about guys that don't, you know, can't stand scoring films because the the director will tell you, I don't want this, 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 and this. And that be, might be like, okay, those are the instruments I know how to play, you know? Yeah. So it might take you totally out of your wheelhouse, whereas like a uh, – you know, I know how to play the guitar and I could do bay and play synth and the mic guy might want, you know, glockenspiel and, and, <laughs> and harp, you know, that's, I mean, it's been that crazy, uh, a few stories, not everybody. It's not saying it's like, a you know, but it's very hard because you're at their whim. They want, they want a certain vibe. It's their movie. It's their film. And you gotta, you gotta then create that kind of music. And maybe that's not what you do. Yeah. Or maybe you're not course. that good at it. So it's it's not it's not always the pot of gold that people make it seem <laughs> that it is unless it's like I listen to documentaries and a lot of it is acoustic guitar so that's would be my wheelhouse but again we should wrap up I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I know I wish I could talk to you forever but I, know, I, I definitely am uh, running out of uh, running out of battery running, life here if I know <laughs> before the battery life dies yep uh, so okay. of course. Uh, again, you can find them on on all those uh, those media platforms. Um, and thank you very much for taking the time to sitting down and talking with me. Uh, you know, and I, I think you're now set the record for the longest uh, interview that I've had uh, on the show. I set the record <laughs> for every podcast I've ever done. I don't know why, but it just happens to be that way. I just feel like if you're a, it's an audio medium. Don't you want me to talk? <laughs> of course. Exactly. So it's like, well, how, how horrible would it be if you'd be like, hey, Robert, blah, 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 blah. And then I go, meh. Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah, the movie was okay. <laughs> it would be a seven minute podcast. Yep. Yep. So I do really appreciate okay. the time that you spent with me. This was, this was really great. Even the other ones I did were great. Uh, not knocking anybody. Uh, Rich was great. You were great. Uh, I really enjoyed doing this because it was a really good conversation. No giggling. No, uh, nothing stupid. <laughs> there was plenty too- of little laughs for, for me in the back end. <laughs> but I'm saying we, were, we, talk- <laughs> we spoke like mature adults. Of course. It's the only way to speak. Uh, yes, let's wrap up for the fourth time. <laughs> for the fourth time, up. let's wrap up. Okay. So, yes. uh, yeah, that that is it for, for the episode. That is it for us. And I yes. uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening to, to everything. And, uh we will, uh, well, I guess I'll talk to you next time. Uh, and uh, Robert, well, I hope everybody you... looks out for all, all your stuff. Yep. And uh, oh, and who knows, you might have me back. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see what uh, happens in the mysterious future. <laughs> <laughs> all right. In a mysterious night. That's right. In a mysterious <laughs> night. Available on Bandcamp. Thank you. All right. Thank you very have much. You too. Bye-bye.